Hello and welcome to the Comics Pals. We are joined today at a special time, by the way. Thank you for waiting. We are joined today by a man who is taking the comics industry by storm with an incredible comic that we're very excited to talk about. We are here with the writer of Unstoppable Doom Patrol. We are here with the writer of Crone. We're here with the artist behind Edison Rex, Dennis Culver. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, hey, how you guys doing? Pretty good. As I said earlier, uh, you did us a favor by being on the West Coast, which allows us to, you know, be lazy and wake up a little later. So thank you for that. Appreciate Slept that. In. Yes. Yeah. I had to get up early, but I'm glad you guys got to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> right. No favor for you. <laughs> right, right, right. It all worked out. Though. <laughs> well, you know, you're 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 a writer, so you're used to it, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, doing. <laughs> Weird hours, uh, you know, when the publishers are on the other coast, sometimes you got to get up earlier, too. So it's uh, it's whatever, you, whatever I got to do. I'm yeah, exactly. Us, yeah. DC, you know, so it's, it's all the same. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to be talking today, of course, about Doom Patrol, which has been incredible, unstoppable Doom Patrol. If you're not reading that, you really, really ought to be. Um, and we're going to be talking about Dennis's other work and, you know, getting into what makes Dennis Culver, Dennis Culver, the writer. So we're going to be talking about all of that. Before we get into it, I do want to let you guys know how you can support the show if you are so inclined. Of course, we are the Comics Pals on all social media platforms. So at the Comics Pals, the best way to support us is patreon.com slash the Comics Pals, where you can get access to all of our exclusive content, everything that's not available everywhere else, like our exclusive show, Palling Around. You get to vote in the book club poll. Um, you get your name shouted out here on the show, which we will do in just a moment. Um, and you get access to our newsletter. So a lot of bang for a little bit of your buck. And uh, with that, I do want to say thank you quickly to Thunderstruck, Rebecca Alejandro, The Night Stalker, Harris Dijinsky, Brian Demolisher Del Pozo, Kefis the Incorruptible, Momentum Mike Elliott, Starcross Catherine Stars, The Hound of Justice, Atomic Hound, Dan the Truth Trudeau. Joel Justice, and Jalen, the Sanguine Sorcerer. Thank you all so much for supporting us. If you want to watch this show live, that's every single Saturday at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern, our normal time, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern for Pals Pulls. Okay, that is enough plugging of us. Dennis, Unstoppable Doom Patrol. I have never cared about the Doom Patrol before. The only Doom Patrol I have seen was the first couple of episodes of the show and the first trade of Grant's Doom Patrol, which I liked, yeah. but I didn't have a connection to it. Of all the Doom Patrol stuff I've seen so far, yours is my favorite. I appreciate that. That's awesome to hear. Uh, that's uh, sort of by design as we were putting together the book. Um, was That was the hope anyway, that people that had only had maybe a cursory knowledge of Doom Patrol would come into this and be able to kind of hit the ground running and, and have enough information to really follow the book and hopefully keep you engaged from issue to issue. It's done that really, really well so far. Um, and I think one of the things that's attracting me to it so much is the fact that a lot of, we, we you know, we review comics every week and a lot of times the, the superhero books, um, they don't feel like they have a lot of forward momentum and, you know, I'm not trying to denigrate anybody, but they just, don't, if it's sometimes I'm like, well, why am I reading this? This book is exciting and it subverts my expectations and it does just enough different issue to issue to make me feel like I'm reading something special and unique. And I love that about it. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, That's 
definitely one of my goals when I'm when I'm trying to write a comic book is um, compelling is really important to me. Um, I I love I love hate getting to the end of a comic uh, where you're like, oh, my God, I want to read the next issue. And you're yeah. kind of mad because the next issue isn't out yet. Um, I think that's kind of the sweet spot for comics where you're just so into it and you're so hyped about it that you want to keep reading more. Um and you can't wait till next month hits. And like, hopefully, uh, if I can do that month to month with any of my comics, uh, I feel like I've done my job right. Um, it's it's something that's kind of interesting uh, that I, I, I've talked about with some of my contemporaries is that, uh, you know, we live in a time now where like you can get the DC app or you can get the Marvel app and uh, really every comic that's ever been published by them more or less is right there at your fingertips and you can kind of binge it all and read it all in like in, in one fell swoop you can read all of Chris Claremont's X-Men and that's not how it was originally intended right like it came out monthly or sometimes bi-monthly or sometimes uh, bi-weekly uh but it was made so that you would read it in those doses and that you would want more um and I think that sometimes on a creator end when you experience media like that uh you tend to start thinking that way and you forget that the that the the vehicle that your comic is coming out in is this monthly installment and that you've you know you've got to make sure that it's compelling because they can't just immediately grab the next issue in most cases you know you can grab the trades later and all that but we you know we want we want people to show up every month to the comic book store the thing the thing that's always stuck with me uh is i think it was stan uh, you know the man uh, I've heard of used him. to used to say, uh, uh, you know, every issue should be someone's first and sure. should be considered that way. And I feel like, you know, going uh, uh, off of sort of what you're just saying, a lot of a lot of times, especially when you get into like the um, uh, the image, you know, uh, first trade uh, scenario, a lot of creators sort of forget that and they're working for the trade instead of the issue yeah uh and i mean i think that it's you know there's different choices and there's different ways to tell stories uh for sure but i mean i i'm a i'm a pretty decent manga reader too and you know you can burn through those really fast uh but uh there's a manga that i've been following for years called vagabond and uh Sometimes volumes don't come out for years at a time. Uh, but when you get one, you know, you get it and you devour it and you read through the whole thing and you're just really like, oh my God, I want more. And sometimes you're waiting on the translation to happen. Sometimes you're waiting on the creator and things like that. Um, I don't know. I definitely, this is my personal philosophy of comics is they should, it, they should definitely feel compelling and they should just definitely make you want more. And you can do that in a lot of subtle ways. Like it's not like we're necessarily ending Doom Patrol issues on a cliffhanger. Um, like my goal, because we had uh, a limited series, I still wanted it to feel big. And so I wanted to do a lot of single done in one issues, but I wanted to, there's enough there to make you want more, I think. And then there, but it's also like, you feel pretty satisfied with it. And then as we get deeper into it, this is going to feel a lot bigger than a mini series because we've done these little done in one stories. Whereas normally when you get a mini series, you get like just one story, um, that, you know, sometimes feels like it's just a trade that you've read, you know, stretched out. And I want this to feel like, uh, you've been reading 
Doom Patrol in this version for a long time. And when you and when you get to the end of it, it's going to feel like really big and expansive. And then uh, hopefully we'll get a next volume and we'll keep doing and building upon that. And so that, uh, you know, I've, I've said this a bunch of times, but I want Doom Patrol to feel like its own pillar of the DC universe, where it's like it's kind of its its own thing, much in the same way that you know, Marvel has all these pillars with like Fantastic Four and X-Men and Avengers and all these things. Um, I want this to feel like the alternative to the Justice League, you know, because most of the books kind of revolve around the Justice League, I think, in the DC universe. I love that you said that because <clears throat> Doom Patrol isn't like it's a it's obviously popular. It's It's got a television show that a lot of people watched and enjoyed. Um, and I do think there was a clamoring for a new Doom Patrol book, but I think the approach that you're taking is what feels to me at least like it's elevating it because I tend to not I tend to not read books that are as offbeat as Doom Patrol uh, tends to be, and your Doom Patrol is certainly offbeat, but it it adds an element of fun and action um, that I that I more lean towards, um, and it blends them all together. And it makes it feel like something that's a little bit more accessible um, than what Grant was doing, which is not to say that what Grant was doing was a wrong approach. It's just different. And this this makes me feel like, wow, I'm a part of something that's getting larger. I'm a part of something that's now attracting more readers. Even the the context of the book itself, it feels like the Doom Patrol is expanding. That, that's a, that feels like it's a, sort of a part of the story in, in issue two. Um we have the uh which I loved and we we all complimented was um the shot of the 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 whole compound that they have, yeah, which yeah, was the, the yeah. really Chris, Bur- Chris Burnham's amazing. Like, yes, that is that is his uh getting him to do stuff like that is his sweet spot for sure. And we're definitely gonna talk about Burnham more. And I love uh-huh. I love uh Flex Mentallo being yeah. being there too. That was a really cool um uh shot, but it does feel like you're building not Marvel, not an X-Men analog, but like another big team for DC to utilize in a major way. That's what's exciting. I I don't mind the X-Men vibes being there. I'm obviously taking some jabs at X-Men ideas through through the book. Um, And I also like I'm a I'm a lifelong Doom Patrol fan. Like I was reading the Grant stuff uh, when I was in high school. Um, I've been a fan of the concept like the Grant stuff is what hooked me. And then I kind of went forward and backwards, like, you know, reading all the comics as I went. Um, even the Grant stuff, you know, that that stuff does get pretty heady. But, you know, there was uh, a dozen issues before that, uh, the, you know, before Grant took over the book that kind of had the had a status quo set up with the book. Uh, if you had been reading along with all of that, which that's not how most people get into it now, they just jump right into the grant stuff. But if you had been reading those first uh, 17 or 18 issues, um, you know, there was, you would have had a sense of what the team was doing. And then, you know, Grant's take on it was like a, like a sort of left turn departure from that. Um, But I also think they built uh, something along the way like it didn't start out super crazy it got weird at first but like it got progressively weirder and weirder where it built one on top of the other and I think that uh, sometimes that's the danger of reading a trade like if you you know if you if you for instance just grab 
the first volume of Rachel Pollock's run as an example, uh, and you've never read the stuff that went previous to that, like you're missing all the Grant stuff, then that you're really throwing yourself in the deep end. But if you read through the Grant stuff, jump into the Rachel Pollock stuff, it all kind of makes sense and it builds as it goes. Um, and my main goal when I was approaching the book was to kind of think of it as like a holistic approach to the Doom Patrol, like all that stuff happened, all your comics count. And uh, it's all there. Like if you've read previous stuff, you're going to notice the thing is you're going to see hints and clues to, you know, mentions of previous issues. If you know who Max Flex Mentalo is, uh, you'll see that there. Um, but you don't, you don't need to know all that continuity in order for it to work. There's enough there. Um, the thing I like, I think it's neat about comics is when I read something and it's compelling and I want more, but I also want to dig back. You know, and it's like, oh, I'm really curious about that character. And I, you know, then I, then they start digging and looking through older issues and things like that. So I'm hoping to do the same thing there with this book, um, where it's like, I'm uh, taking you along for our story, but at the same time, encouraging you to like, really, you know, be your own little archaeologist and go dig into the history of the Doom Patrol and hopefully learn more about it. Yeah, so that's, that's a great word being yeah. that archaeologist, because yeah. I, I, I was going to ask, how do you like, how do you balance wanting to include a lot of that familiarity because those are uh those can sometimes be easy ways to bring readers in um but how do you think about balancing how much i want to take from previous stuff into oh this is th these are my concepts moving forward um it, it's kind of you know i had to i had a big idea of what i wanted doom patrol to be as as i was developing it uh, with burnham with which and that kind of it came from having read all the previous stuff, but then I started rereading it as well and just kind of going back and just like, you know, thinking of it now as like, okay, this is these characters on a journey and on a progression. And I feel like when you get to the end of Weight of the Worlds, which is the uh, the last uh, Gerard Way book, um, they're kind of, they're kind of at a place where they've done a lot of uh, the healing work, you know, they've been through all their trauma, you know, they've, they're, they're trying, you know, like at the end, there's that last page where it's, you know, Jane holding a little baby cliff and she's standing with the group uh, and they, you know, they, they kind of leave it in a weird place, but you can, you can see, if you read through that, you see the seeds of where we took it. And I think it was all there, you know, like another writer may have taken it a different direction completely or ignored it or whatever. But I thought I was like, there's some interesting ideas there. Um, I like the idea of the Doom Patrol having, you know, running around in a little ambulance and helping people. Um, and, you know, that I thought that was really cool. And it's like, well, what's the big superhero idea of that? You know, and it's like uh, how, you know, now if, if if we're if we're grounding the Doom Patrol in the main DC universe and it's not off onto the side, it's not a separate imprint, it's not over here in the corner. If they're a part of the DC universe, what does that look like? And, you know, what problems does that cause? You know, if, if suddenly the Doom Patrol are proactive and they want to save the world by saving the monsters, which is kind of our, our theme of our book, like they're going to start stepping on toes in my mind. And so then, then it just kind of... Uh, once you start figuring that out, then the questions start popping up and you just, by answering those questions, you end up finding stories. And with the Doom Patrol, they always kind of like lived on the skirts of the DC universe, you know, uh -huh. like on the outskirts. And it seems like you're kind of throwing them in, you know, with, you know, the Peacemaker uh, kind of 
yeah, uh, in issue two with Amanda Waller. It's like, oh, okay, that that's like a very present thing with the DC universe right now. So it kind of makes him feel more on the front lines. I mean, Batman shows up immediately in issue one, um, yeah. which great seeing Chris Burnham draw Batman again. Of um, course, of course. But, but yeah, uh, so seeing them kind of a little more, I guess, involved in the DC universe. I know, what what was it? Was it Jeff Johns that kind of brought them into like his Justice League run a little bit? But he had him in the um, Justice League run. He had yeah. him in his uh, Titans run too yep, back in the yep. day. Uh, I mean, I, I think Jeff's a, a pretty big fan. I think he had a pretty strong hand in making sure that, you know, developing the TV show and getting it yeah. out in the world. Um, but yeah, like uh, it's one of the things I love about Jeff's writing is he's always finding ways to incorporate the larger DC universe into his work. Like he, he thinks about it as a whole living, breathing world. Uh, and it's definitely something I want to bring here to the, to the temperature as well. I, I wanted to ask, I think you kind of answered this already, but um, I noticed that from Doom Patrol issue one to two, uh, the limited series um, tag was applied. So was it all, it was always planned as a limited series? Yeah, yeah, uh, it was it was always a limited series. Um, I think with just the branding of the number one issue, they just they wanted to put the, the symbol in the corner. Um, it's actually a seven issue series now. Um, we, oh, we got uh, a bonus issue. Um the weird complications to that but like basically we knew night terrors was coming when we started the book um burnham's artwork is very detailed so we were we were like well if night terrors is happening that's a nice little breather for burnham um but it's a it's a two-month break and then you know that led to i'm doing the night terrors zatanna crossover and i've got robot man guest starring in that uh so it's like you still get your doom patrol fix for those two months in in a in a very weird way, because those are two characters that have before before this book, they'll have they have like one page in Alex Ross's Justice, which is out <laughs> of continuity. Like they've never been together in a story, uh, which I found super interesting. That was yeah. like really exciting because they're they're pretty opposite characters. Um, but so the idea was to have those two months, but then we uh our first issue did pretty well, it's exceeded expectations. And uh, my editor, Ben, was like, well, what if we get an extra issue? And we decided to make that issue four. Uh, so instead of taking two months off for Night Terrors, we're just taking that first month off. And then we'll uh, we'll come back and Burnham will be back rolling on that. So uh, issue four is drawn by David LaFuente. And uh, oh, so it's cool. kind of like, I don't know, you, you saw in the second issue where it was the Dr. Cinco character, yeah. uh, where she, you know, she channels fifth dimensional consciousness. So that issue is oh, going yeah. to be, be like, uh, do you remember Peter David's X Factor therapy issues? Uh, it's going to be real similar to that, except imagine the therapist is, you know, able to like physically manifest your thoughts and so there's going to be like cool trippy visuals as they kind of the, each member of the doom patrol talks about their their issues and their feelings and things like that so uh it looks really cool uh david lafuente is amazing like so it's going to be a real trippy cool visual issue i love when lafuente shows up i'm, I'm a big fan of his so yeah so that, yeah that's, he's great. that's great and, and not in somewhat different than Burnham, but still tonally, I think it works real well with this. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a good contrast to, yep. especially for what it is, you know, like to give this, uh, you know, um, I also like we've, we've kind of started off grounded and like, you know, literally issue four is going to be like dead center of the series. 
so we kind of like we get right into the middle of the weird of it all cool. uh but still kind of you know i use as an opportunity to kind of bridge any kind of previous series stuff that people may be wondering about um and also just to really like you know when you're dealing with a team book you don't always get to focus on each individual character and their feelings and their emotions and this is a really great excuse to just kind of like you know just get it, get in, get in, get your hands dirty with each character and kind of talk about them. Uh, we also do like the origin of Beast Girl and, and stuff like that. Cool. So it'll be, it'll be really fun. So obviously, you know, we've, we've mentioned Chris Burnham uh, a few times now, the artist on this, uh, you're also joined by Brian Reber and Pat Brousseau. Mm -hmm. um, you have a history with Chris Burnham. Yeah. Um, you guys work together in a studio at some point um i wanted to ask you about the relationship that you have with him and how that impacts you know working together on a comic because i i can't really think of too many times at least not off the top of my head where creators who are friends and got to work together on something you know before got to then repair themselves together on a big two book um especially for someone who's not like jeff johns where you call your shot with a with an artist and you know you get it um yeah. so was chris your first choice to work on this um and what was it like to get to work with someone who you genuinely have a relationship with uh trying to figure out how to start this um i mean i think comics are best when you make them with your buddies like i think that's one of the the, yeah. the coolest things like um because comics is such a it's an involved process so like doing that is is pure bonus uh at least at least for me it's been um so the 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 way the book came together is it's 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 probably unusual uh in in a, in a, in a way um because i was on the phone i was wrapping up future state gotham was talking on the phone with my editor ben abernathy and just kind of talking about what's next uh you know like you know, pitching ideas, talking about what I could potentially do, just different things, you know, like, like he wanted to do more with me. I wanted to do more with him kind of thing. And I had also uh, just finished uh, working on Justice League Incarnate, which I co-wrote with Josh Williamson. Um, and then Burnham did a piece of that comic. Um, there's like 10 pages where he pretty much did the history of the all the crises that have happened uh uh throughout things and uh came out really well um it was you know something where i i i asked burnham to to come on board with that and you know so we already kind of had a taste of working together we were working with josh and we were working with some other people but it was you know it was still Burnham and I talking and in the during that conversation Ben was like you know you and Burnham should do something else together and I was like that's a good idea I, I had no idea what right and I had no intentions uh of pitching Doom Patrol I didn't even think that was an option for me as a as a newer writer at DC um and just I started talking to Ben about I had a robot man idea, which is ultimately what becomes issue three where they're they're on a road trip and it was like I just you know uh like i like thinking about different people's uh jobs and things that they do like you know robot man essentially is a race car driver so in my mind he's the greatest driver in the dc universe right like so it's like different things like that um i really loved in justice league incarnate how uh you know uh president superman he's a politician 
and he's not a reporter that's really different right and you know the the batman in that we use flashpoint batman and he's a he's a surgeon and it's like so those are those are really different dynamic than the normal batman superman dynamic and i loved mm. kind of leaning into those ideas of like you know who are these characters they're not just the mask you know like who are they underneath and so like the same thing with robot man i was like well it's really neat that he's a driver and you know he's like he you know like how does he approach ideas and think about that but anyway i was talking about that idea it didn't even feel like a full mini series because it was it wasn't a big idea you know uh, but it got me talking to Ben about Doom Patrol and I kind of, I, it turns out I had a lot of opinions about it. And I, it was the, the same thing I was telling you earlier, where it was like, I think they should be their own pillar of the DC universe. I was like, they have their, they have a TV show. It doesn't, you know, it's like, they should have a book. Like there should be, you know, it's basically just like kind of ranting almost. Like I was like, I want DC to deepen their bench is essentially what I was saying. And, you know, Ben was like, yeah, you're right. You know, they do have a TV show. They, they should do that. And he's like, well, why don't you and Burnham pitch doom patrol and i was like oh that's a great idea <laughs> i was like oh shit uh and so i texted burnham immediately and i was like uh ben thinks we should pitch doom patrol what do you think and he was like hell yeah because like that is like the perfect thing for burnham to draw it was the yes. kind of thing where it's like it was just that synergy of us you know me and my me and my editor talking and then just kind of like you know, Ben in his wisdom, he saw all these pieces and he's like, what if we put all, you know, we mash all this together and see what it looks like. Uh, and then we kind of went from there. Uh, I was a part of a studio uh, for a number of years. Uh, we basically, we, we broke up the studio when the pandemic hit, um, but it was with Chris Burnham, Tony Fleece, who does Stray Dogs, if you're familiar with that. Um, Drew Johnson, who uh, you may remember, he did like, he did 52, he did uh, Wonder Woman with Greg Rucka back in the day. Oh. Um, yeah, like he's a, he's an amazing artist. Uh, Chris Moreno, uh, Chris Moreno's done all kinds of comics, but he's actually an art director and he's done things like Muppet Babies and that Spidey, Spidey show that's on right now, Spider-Man and his yeah. little kid versions of Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, Chris Moreno is like the art director for that. Uh, but we were like just this group. We had a we had just a space that we rented out and we would just, you know, uh, do the same thing that we would do at home, which is just sit, you know, and draw. But we did it together so we could talk and shoot the shit. And we had TVs mounted on the wall so we could watch stuff. And uh, through that, you know, a lot of times you end up with just uh, me and Burnham alone in the studio. And we're just we start talking about, you know, Jack Kirby comics that we like and fourth world stuff and, you know, arguing about stuff. But we uh, we know what each other likes. And we've also looked over each other's desk as we're working, you know, like I've I've, I've uh, uh, the benefit of being in that studio with Burnham is that I can talk to him uh more directly because i know his process and i've seen how he works and stuff and it's like i know where his strengths lie and i know what he hates to do too mm -hmm. you know and so it's like um i know that like uh if he's having trouble with something or he's not liking something i know the stuff that he does like and i can find a way to kind of get around to that so like uh, as a for instance burnham's not a fan of of designing characters he kind of hates it uh mm -hmm. but if like so a lot of the character designs for doom patrol started with a sketch from me uh which i just would do something really quick because i know that was enough to get him started and then he would kind of go from there and tweak it and make it look cool and all of those things so it's like if you look on my sub stack there's like a really quick drawing i did of beast girl that i sent over to burnham and burnham made it way better but it was like 
it needed, you know, I knew that he needed that little kickstart to kind of get him from there. Um, and then, you know, there's other stuff, uh, like I would never show Burnham a layout because one, he's going to do it way harder than I would ever do it. <laughs> it's going it's, it's to look way better, but it's like his, his uh, just the way he thinks about composition and the way he thinks about looking at uh, the page uh is just way more intricate than i would ever do it you know just even where we would place the camera any of that stuff so it's like i you know i will draw stuff sometimes for myself like a quick little layout just so i have an idea of how to write it yeah but i never show it to burnham and he always does it way cooler way harder <laughs> like just uh just uh it's always way better than i could ever like conceive it um but i do know that if if, if i'm having a hard time explaining something and he's not getting what I'm trying to say, I can always just draw a sketch and he'll be like, okay, gotcha, gotcha. You know, so that's, there's a certain benefit to that uh, relationship. So being a writer artist, do you have essentially like proto versions of issues <laughs> that you've sketched uh, in a way? Sort of, yeah. That's, like uh, that's so, so interesting, okay. You're not going to see this on my shitty camera, but uh, I mean, it is just, it's, yeah, I don't know. Oh, oh yeah, we can. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so this is a little. Uh, it's called a thumb book. I think I don't know who this is by. I got this from somebody. Um, if you go to Etsy.com, apparently, then look at thumb books. But they're just like their pages broken into like four pages that you can do thumbnails on. Uh, oh, and I've got a couple of these, and a lot of times I will draw uh, just real basic ideas and panel setups and stuff just to just to get my head wrapped around something um depends on what it is sometimes you know if it's just people talking to each other you don't really need to draw that out but if sure. it's like a complicated action sequence or i'm trying to figure out uh just a cool visual um i again i never show this stuff uh, in very rare circumstances but it's usually just for for my benefit um but it's never too comp too detailed or too complicated um a lot of times uh, I, I like character design, so I'll do like little character sketches and stuff like that for costumes. And sometimes I'll send those along to artists and stuff and let them kind of go from there. So it's interesting because obviously with, um, you know, just the, the technology advancements that we have made uh, over the last 20 years, creating comics has really changed. And so um, now more than ever, Although I'm sure there was always a degree of this, what I'm about to say, but now more than ever, the artist that you're collaborating with or the writer that you're collaborating with, if you're an artist, may be someone you've never even met. Yeah. Um, and you're working exclusively through email. I've heard some instances where the writer and artist actually never even speak. They speak through sure. the editor. Um, so there's all different types of ways to do it. And um, I think it's interesting because in my mind at least what would produce the best work would be sort of what you're laying out where you and Chris have this deep relationship where you've actually been in the same room with each other multiple times you've learned about each other's process over periods of time so you know each other very very well creatively I love that and my hope is that this is not the last time that you guys work together because I want to see what the products are going to look like you know, two, three, four collaborations down the line. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, you know, there's different ways of making comics. I mean, sometimes there's a language barrier too, and you're making yes. a comic with someone on the other side of the world. Uh, so you, you, you barely get to talk to them. Um, I mean, Burnham and I were already talking 
every day just shooting the shit, you know, with DMs or whatever. So it's like we just <laughs> now we have now we have a reason to talk uh, a lot of times, you know, where where we we uh, send drawings back and forth or he's, you know, just kind of showing progress, what's going on, things like that. Um, you know, there's a there's a, there's a, there's a million ways to do it, but I I do think uh, whenever possible, like making comics with my buddies is kind of the best way to do it, you know. And it's uh, uh, we we're we're actually uh, you know before Brian Reber got brought into the process to color Burnham, uh, we you know we knew him, you know we were friendly. I've never met Brian in person, but we we talk on DM all the time. And there's a it's a group DM with some other comics professionals where we kind of all you know shoot the shit. So Brian was already there, um, and you know, getting Burnham and Reaver to work together. Uh, it was, that was, this is the first time they've done it. And I think it's one of the best colors that, that Burnham's ever had. Like it, it looks really cool. Um, and then, you know, Pat, Pat did letters on Crone. Um, I've, I've done some other stuff with Pat. Um, I love, I love Pat's work. Uh, like uh, Pat's done like, like Hellboy stuff back in the day. Uh, like if you've ever seen that Hellboy story where they've uh, where Hell the young Hellboy eats the pancakes, like that was lettered by Pat. Um, like one of the most famous Hellboy stories, you know, he did that. But Pat, Pat's Pat's amazing. So we we've got this really good team and our editor Ben. I've known Ben for for a number of years too, and you know Ben is he's he's got a really good eye. He's good at like variant covers and things like that. Like there's uh, he's a, he's a pleasure to work. With. So it's, uh, it's, we're really lucky for sure. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, hopefully we'll keep doing Doom Patrol for a while, but yeah, I'd love to keep working for Burn for, with a, for a long time. Was it, um, I don't know if you have the answer, answer to this, but uh, one of the things I really liked about Doom Patrol 1 were the, and I'm not a big variant guy, but those scratch off variants. Um, whose idea was that? Do you know? <laughs> uh, so that was, that was weirdly enough. That was Burnham's idea. Um, okay. Burnham, yeah. one of the things he would talk about when we were in the studio is he always wanted to do a scratch off variant. And I think somebody, he was at a convention and somebody's show was like some printer, you know, you know, like you, sometimes you get vendors going around showing up at your table, but they showed him that. And he just kind of got obsessed with that idea. Um, but what's interesting is this is, this is kind of a really good example of collaboration because, uh, you know, Ben, normally that variant covers are kind of his realm and he was already cooking on the glow in the dark negative man cover, which I thought was a great idea. Like, I love the idea that it was like a, uh, a character driven uh, variant, you know, like just that idea that it's like, it's, you know, it makes sense uh, <laughs> to have the radioactive guy glow in the dark. Um <laughs> And so, you know, when Burnham was like, well, let's do this scratch off variant, that that was it. Like that was that was the idea. <laughs> and and so when the book got approved, it happened to like it got approved like right before the last San Diego, uh, where we got like the official green light to go forward with it. And so uh Ben and I had who's our editor had breakfast and we're talking about it. And I was like, all right, Burn's got a crazy idea. He wants to do a scratch off variant. Do you think that's possible? And Ben's like, huh. And he basically, to his credit, he just picked up his phone and started texting people immediately. And it wasn't like, like, that's the great thing about Ben is like, uh, he tries to find a way to say yes. He tries to find a way to make it work. So he kind of got that rolling. And so then it was then a, a matter of, all right, this is going to happen. What does it look like? And so it was my idea to have, because I was just inspired by Ben's like character driven idea. And I was like, well, what if we have Jane? 
and she's looking in a mirror and when you scratch it off there's different versions of her her alters really? behind the thing and so I did a layout on that and sent it to Burnham and Burnham was like, that's cool. So we just sent that layout to Ben. Um, and so it's like, it's kind of like a real crazy true collaboration in that regard, because it's like, I did the layout, uh, it was Burnham's concept. And then, you know, we kind of strengthened the concept together and then Burnham did the thing and went to town. Um, it was super fun. I don't know if you guys uh scratched it off at all but it was really it was really a fun thing like I loved it I loved seeing everybody doing it um it was really neat uh and then you know it was like you also get that it's the kind of thing I would love when I was like a kid reading comics I would have been totally excited about that yeah yeah I actually scratched it off uh, during the live stream while we were uh talking about the first oh yeah yeah I saw that I got that was awesome Black Annis one which was like the one I wanted too so oh nice it was fun that's fun I don't even I buy digitally too so like this made me have a reason to get a physical issue again. So I was like, all right, I, I have room in my apartment for at least one more physical issue. I can do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, right on, right on. I, I was so annoyed because I saw that cover and I was like, oh, this is cool. But then I went with the, the standard cover and I didn't realize it was a scratch off. And oh, then when I funny. went back to try to get it, they didn't have any more. I, I was like, damn, I want this now. Yeah, I heard they sold out. Uh, yeah, if you catch me at a show, I should have some. Uh, you know, right in the in the short term. Like if you're if you're if you're at San Diego Comic Con, I'll probably have a few. Oh, I wish. Oh, I wish. We're, I, uh, I'm in New York, so. Oh, right on. Right yeah. on. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't. I might go to New York Comic Con, but I'll, I'll holler at you. We'll see. You if, should. Uh, you yeah. definitely should. Uh, just in general, I think you would have a great time. Yeah. I uh, I, I want to talk about uh, Chrome if we can. Okay. Sure. Because I, you know, I like to come in, uh, you know, well-researched and I wanted to read it to know, you know, what else you've done. And I was blown away. Oh, right. <laughs> Throne is so that. fucking good. It's yeah. such a, it's, I had such a good time reading it. So you, you worked with Justin Greenwood on the art. You had Brad, Brad Simpson on colors and then uh, Pat Rousseau once again on the letters. Um, I didn't know what to expect from Crone. You know, it's, it's, it looks like it's a story about, you know, a, an old, a badass old woman. And it, it that, that's there, but there's so much more to it. And I love the way that you play with, you know, showing us the past, you know, um, and sort of how things got to where they are with Bloody Bliss and the, this crazy war. And it's such a dichotomy between, you know, it's like the hot-blooded years of your youth versus the cold you know winter of your life um and we see both these stages not just for bloody bliss but for everybody that's in the story and i i loved that i loved seeing her kick ass as this you know red sonia buffy the vampire slayer um type badass woman in, in her youth and then she's got her old man logan era and you did all that in five issues yeah, yeah, we covered a lot of ground, uh, for sure. Uh, it, you know, uh, it's the kind of thing where you wish you had more, but it would have just been really just getting Justin to draw cooler, crazier battle scenes. Uh, um, he did a great job on that. Uh, like, uh, it's it was a really fun book to work with on him. He's somebody who uh, I used to live in uh, Oakland, and he was like the next exit over from me, from my house. So like we would, you know, hang out and talk comics and stuff, but we, we met at a show uh, and we just became buds. And 
we were at a, at a C2E2. I was promoting uh, my image book, Burnouts, when it was coming out. And uh, him and I had shared a room because uh, it was kind of last minute that I was going to C2E2. So I ended up crashing with him. And um, I was telling him about Crone. And I was, I was uh, you know, trying to find an artist and thinking about another artist. And he just was like, really, like, passionate about it like he really like latched on the visual he was busy he wasn't even looking for anything but it was like you know I kept I kept you know I talked to another artist and they didn't have that passion and I was like well shit I should just ask Justin like he's like he can't stop talking about it and it's like you know and he's a buddy you know and it's like this whole thing and I was like uh I was like hey Justin you want to do this you want to you know what do you think and he was like yeah man I'm into it and like, <laughs> like he because he just like you know, I basically told him like the, the visual from the first issue where she's kind of standing alone on the cliff and he just kind of latched onto that idea, you know, and it's like, I think that's coming from being an artist before I was a writer. Like I, I definitely think visually and I think like putting those visuals out there, like it kind of helped him latch onto the concept too. Um, but I'm a big fan of stuff like Unforgiven, uh, you know, those kind of ideas where it's like the old the old guy comes out of retirement for one last job. And I was like, well, what if it's a woman? That's really interesting because you've never really seen that. Mm. And it's like, you know, then it was just kind of figuring it out. All of the idea of uh, what is essentially Grey Sonia, you know, it's 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 yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and then just kind of stripping it down to like its core concept where it's like, you know, not fighting giant dragons or anything. It's just like dealing with people and the horrors of that. And it's also like deeply personal in the sense that, you know, what she's dealing with, like the the, the conflict at hand is, yeah. a, is an extremely personal conflict. And I was so impressed by how you were able to make, like, because five issues, this is not a lot, right? Yeah. But you were able to make me care about, all these different characters and like their their relationships with each other and just i don't want to like spoil anything i think if, if if you're listening to this and you really enjoy unstoppable doom patrol this in my opinion this is your next buy crone is so good and i think it it, sh it showed me actually some of the strengths that i was like oh shit yeah this is also in unstoppable doom patrol like yeah. the moment where robot man is at the grave and he and he and he talks about like the history of the Doom Patrol and all that stuff. I was like, wow, I don't know anything that he's talking about, but I now care. Now I get it. And it was just that one moment. And Crone yeah. has a lot of those because you had less room to work. Yeah. I mean, that's the strength of comics at the end of the day, right? Like it's, it's literally the picture telling a thousand words. It's, it's, you know, uh, that, that particular scene in Doom Patrol, like Burnham knocked that out of the park and it, you know, uh, just he was able to grab so much emotion and when you think about it it is literally a robot man it is someone with a metal face that has no like can't frown or do no eyebrows or anything and it's you know burnham's uh able to make you feel uh something through robot man is is a real testament to his skill as an artist too um but yeah i, I appreciate that about crone uh i it's one of my favorite books that i've done um i think it's I think it's a really strong story uh i'd love to do more with the character but it's you know it was it kind of came out at a weird time like we, we we were in the middle of coming out just as the pandemic hit so that was weird <laughs> and then that kind of delayed the trade coming out and stuff like that but uh yeah i think it's i think it's a solid book I'd love to revisit it um it also interestingly came from uh there's a theme there uh 
it's very oblique, but I, I had a buddy who's, who's also in comics and uh, he, you know, basically uh, through being, you know, putting, pouring the life into this thing he was passionate about comics, he ended up, uh, you know, divorcing his partner. And it was the kind of thing where it was like that choice of like, you know, uh, this thing that you're super passionate about or this person that you're super passionate about and trying to resolve those two things. And it was, uh, you know, seeing that struggle kind of happen from a distance and then putting those ideas into, into Crone as well, which kind of, it kind of manifests in a different way. You know, obviously it was, <laughs> it's a little more grim in Crone, uh, but uh, yeah, it was uh, that, that was kind of interesting to me because a lot of folks, it, you know, in comics, because it's comics is such a time consuming job, especially drawing comics. It's, 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 it's 10 to 12 hours a day mm. doing that. And like, you know, it doesn't leave a lot of room for much else in your life. And it's kind of hard finding that balance. Well, I, I think everyone, everyone should pick up Crone. There's so much good stuff in there. And again, it's a, it's a, it's a quick, relatively quick read. I actually put a link uh, in the description or rather in the comments of the live videos right now, that is an Amazon affiliate link. So if you do choose to click on it, we will get a little bit of kickback, but really I want people to go out and buy Chrome. I think it's I appreciate fantastic. that. I appreciate that so much. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's from dark horse too. Like, uh, yeah, they, yeah. It's a gorgeous looking trade. It's really cool looking. I was upset because I'm like, well, how come I've never heard of this book? You know, like, why didn't I know about this? And so when you were talking about some of the sort of issues that came up with the pandemic, like that makes perfect sense. To yeah. Me yeah. Otherwise we, there's no yeah. way. I think the first issue came out like November, 2019. So it was just, you know, right before that happened. And it was like, cause you know that, you know, so I guess by the time the fifth issue, like but it was basically just, we were, there was a lot of weird times around then between, you know, that end of 2019, beginning of 2020. Yeah. Um, and then the trade, like, like if, if the pandemic wouldn't have happened, the trade would have come out just in time for 2020 San Diego Comic-Con. And so we would have had that, you know, had the book there, it would have been a debut, like it would have been the kind of thing where it would have got a little bit of a bump from that. Uh, and I think in the end, it ended up coming out uh, like later that year, like maybe the end of 2020, something like that. But yeah, it's out there. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, this great thing about making books is you can always come back around to them. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and give them a new life. And hopefully some people here will find it and talk about it and love it. All that good stuff. So do you have more? Uh, well, obviously, you're you're locked in with DC. Um, you've, you've kind of been in the trenches with them and you've got upcoming projects. But um, putting that aside, do you have more uh, creator-owned things that you are working on or maybe have in the back burner for when you can devote more time to that? Uh, yeah, I've got a couple pitches out there. Um, I have a webtoon that actually comes out weekly uh, called Gates of Hell. Oh. Um, yeah, and so that, I mean, uh, we're like on episode 35 or something. Like it's, it is, uh, uh, it comes out regularly. It comes out like every Wednesday, um, but you can read it all for free on the webtoon app, like from, from episode one all the way through. Uh, but the basic premise is, is it's this, uh, this teenage girl, uh basically uh is looking for her her dead mother in the afterlife and she finds a way to to like you know do a magic spell to like look in a mirror into the afterlife 
And instead she finds a very handsome demon prince and they kind of start to have a, a long distance relationship. And then it, you know, it gets crazy from there. It's kind of, uh, uh, somebody described it like as uh, Buffy meets Breaking Bad, and it's kind of that. Oh that, my god! Yeah. <laughs> you just, you just, just hit me right. Literally, yeah, that's, no. that's a cross section of where I live at. Oh, nice, nice. I think you're gonna make sure yeah, first web too. You should definitely, you should definitely check it out. Then. I yeah. will. I, yeah. I just, I just opened it up, and this, this book, uh, episode one, really, really starts off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it hits pretty hard, and then uh, that's the kind of thing that was really fun uh, to experience weekly because. Uh, I would, you know, hate some of the nastiest cliffhangers <laughs> right there in the thing, you know, and it's like, oh, you got to wait a week now. Uh, and we're, we were on the uh, old system of webtoons. Like now you can buy tokens and like see the next episodes early, mm -hmm. but because we were on the old system, uh, you can't do that. And people just get so upset about it in the comments. So like, why can't I spend money to get this early? And it's like, <laughs> oh, you got to wait, you got to suffer. Like uh, it's, the, it's the best way to do it. And then, you know, make sure you come back and, and see it weekly. But yeah, it's super fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I just pulled it up and I can't wait to dig into this. Although I must admit to you that I have read like one webtoon before. I think it was yeah, the, Bat yeah, the Batman one. It is, it is, a uh, it's, it's nothing like comics as far as approaching it from a, from a creative standpoint, like, cause there's no, you know, with comics, you have certain tools you can play with like page turns and, you know, big panels, small panels, and this is all on your phone. Um, the artist Yuki Saki, she is amazing. Like, and, and the perfect style for this and for a webtoon, uh, but she's really good at handling, you know, it's basically all vertical panels and stuff like that. So there's fun stuff you can do that you can't do with comics, like with the scrolling and stuff. Mm. Uh, and she pulls that off in a really neat way. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's just a different animal. Like it's just, uh, it's not, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, it's a big gear shift when I have to go write an episode of that. Um, yeah. And then I also have, I don't know if you checked out burnouts, um, but burnouts was my image book. There's, there's one volume out of that and I'd love to do more with that, but that's basically uh, the worst kids in high school. Uh, they're the only ones that can see an alien invasion, but the only way they can do that is by getting super high. <laughs> and so, so it's kind of like they live with weed and like, so, you know, and then when they get super high, they're terrible at actually stopping the alien invasion so like the aliens are possessing people and when they're high they can see the people that are possessed so they start beating up people but all the people that are sober and can't do that they just see the burnout kids running around beating up people uh so they just you know they look like you know miscreants this is literally they live with weed yep that's exactly that's that's the pitch it's uh they live meets freaks and geeks is what i've called it oh my god i love it I got to yeah. get that too now. Yeah, yeah, that's it's super fun. That's by uh, uh, the artist is Jeffo, and he's he did a number of issues of Future State Gotham too, and then we worked together on a one of those Marvel Infinite comics as well with uh, Leonardo Romero. Like Jeffo did a lot of the uh, the layouts for those Marvel Infinite comics. So it, it's interesting because you know you are a writer artist, and I loved I loved Edison Rex. I thought that oh. was awesome. Sweet, thank you. Uh, with with Chris Robertson, and uh, but you did the art there, and so I was I was wondering, you know, and maybe this is my ignorance, so you know, please correct me. But where's where's the writer artist book? Where's the book where you do all of it? Uh, I mean, I I started out that way. Like um, some of my earliest work, I would do 
uh, you know, when I was just kind of teaching myself comics. Um, do you remember when, uh, you may not, when uh, there was a, there was a time, I think he still does it. James Kolchaka was doing these like daily sketch comics and James Kolchaka yeah. is an indie cartoonist, but he was just basically like every day he would do like a daily thing. And, and there was a period of time, this is like live journal days, uh, that everybody was kind of doing their daily comics. And I was, I had one called a sketch journal and I just, it was a physical sketchbook and I would just in order to kind of teach myself how to do comics, I would just do a comic about my day every day. And, you know, one or two panels, maybe three panels, it might just be a drawing, but it was something to get me like doing comics every day, uh, you know, consistently, you know, and, and uh, they don't look great <laughs> there, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's pretty rough, but I took a bunch of those, like the best ones, the, the ones I liked, and I would make them into like mini comics and like staple them together. I was stealing copies from the job I had. Uh, but I would uh, take those to, uh, uh, we, there was a thing here on the West Coast called the Alternative Press Expo or APE. And it was a place where people would bring their mini comics and zines and things like that. Wow. And uh, so like I would set up a table there and sell those comics. So, so oh, my thing started. Hold on. See if I can restart my camera. <laughs> Dennis just had a little uh, technical malfunction. Yeah, yeah. We're here. I mean, we went a long time. It was yeah, it was, real, uh, yeah. it was right out the gate when we were starting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, I was making comics like that, and then I, you know, uh, teaching myself to draw, teaching myself to do that stuff. Um, but that wasn't really writing fiction. It was almost, you know, autobio. Hmm. And as I was drawing more and more comics, like I did a graphic novel for Oni called Odd Schnoz and the Odd Squad uh, that uh, Jeff Barant wrote. Um, I, uh, Chris Robertson approached me about doing Edison Rex and he had uh, this idea for a story and he is very collaborative. Um, and I, you know, I started to notice working with him that I would have opinions on the story. And, you know, it got to the point where we were almost kind of uh, co-plotting, uh, co-writing might not be the best term. Um, I'm just gonna turn my camera all the way off since yeah. so I don't look too weird <laughs> there's a real max headroom vibe there uh but anyway uh so so Robertson and I uh got very collaborative uh he's a very generous collaborator and it was like you know uh, a lot of times I was saying well this should happen and this should happen and this should happen and this should happen and then you know he would write the script around that sometimes I would just draw the panels and then he would go and you know come in and letter mm. um but through that i kind of was like you know i'm i he kind of he was like my training wheels so kind of shepherd me into writing um and then uh i did some co-writing with uh josh williamson on like booms robocop uh yeah. and things like that yeah uh, josh williamson and i by the way when i first moved to la years ago he worked at the comic shop that i would go to and so, so like, we just kind of met randomly through that. And then I moved to Portland for a while, but then so did Josh. And we just started seeing each other at shows. And then like, we'd be, he was like, it was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, what are you doing here? And then, and then like, we just ended up being like buds. Uh, and we kind of discovered we had a lot of the same storytelling sensibilities and stuff. And so, you know, we ended up talking all the time and then, you know, it was the same, he was, he was crunched on time, like on the last arc of that RoboCop book he did. And he's like, Hey, you want to co-write with this? And, and, and I was like, yeah, that's awesome. And so, 
you know, he's he's kind of in a lot of ways mentored me a, a lot on comic writing as well. Um, so like I co-wrote with him on that. I co-wrote with him on Future State Gotham. Uh, you know, and I've done a bunch of little random books here and there, um, kind of just building it up as I went. Um, writing and drawing, uh, I, I'm I'm too slow as an artist, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's uh, it's also, I'm, you know, I'm very picky about my own stuff, you know, and it's like, uh, I feel like I would, it would take me forever to get anything done. Maybe a short story. Um, I'm open to, I've done a couple of Doom Patrol covers. Uh, like the, there was a variant on issue one and then the, uh, uh, this week there's a foil variant that I did too. Um, so, uh, you know, I still do art here and there. A lot of times I do art behind the scenes, like I was showing you guys, you know, mm. character designs and things like that. Um, surprisingly, uh, there are a lot of writers that are actually artists. Uh, Ed Brubaker started out doing autobio comics. Like the, you can, if you dig around, you can find uh, a lot of Ed Brubaker drawn comics. Um, but Alan Moore was a cartoonist. Uh, Grant Grant Morrison draws. Uh, if you poke around, you can find their character designs and things like that. Mm. Um, Bendis, I, uh, yeah, Bendis, obviously, fame, you know, he's he's done a number of things. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of comic writers uh, have drawn. I think Jeff Johns did too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, like you know. It's everybody kind of started. I think a lot of comic writers, we all kind of started drawing and then realized, oh, we can't, we can't draw like our heroes. <laughs> and so we're, just, <laughs> we're gonna write instead, you know, and get to work with our heroes. So it, it ends up working out like that. But yeah. Well, that I think that's that's a beautiful thing because um even if you're not going to flex your artist muscle on the page that we end up seeing, the fact that you have that skill. It allows you, I would imagine, and you kind of detailed that earlier in your relationship with Chris, um, it allows you to, you know, present your ideas or maybe say like, okay, well, here's what I was thinking and then do what you will with it. Um, yeah. It gives an artist a much better um, starting point, I would imagine. Um, so that's that's fantastic. I, th I think I've actually heard Grant say that they will do like, the like a proto issue. I think Kale Kale might have said that. Um, mm -hmm. but like I I've I think I've yeah, seen yeah. them. I, I I've heard them say that they do that. So yeah, yeah. There's a if you look at like when the when the Green Lantern book that Grant did was out. That's like the the most recent thing. Uh, if you dig around online, you can find their layouts for the covers, the cover concepts that they okay. had, and then you can see how Liam took it and ran with it and went in their own direction. It's nothing finished. It's like kind of crude, you know, like it did just quick, like, here's the idea. This is the composition. This is the thing I want. Um, and, and, you know, it's, uh, I will, a lot of times if I have drawings, I'll just offer, I'll offer it in the script instead of just kind of, cause, cause I, and I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, for, for me as an artist, I'd rather come from it fresh uh, and then if I'm stuck, then I'll ask for, you know, for help rather than kind of imposing my idea. Because like I said, like someone like Burnham, he's going to do it way better and harder <laughs> than I than I would do it. You know, like he's going to hit it in just a, a way that 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 I'm not going to come at it. Um, but, you know, I mean, make no mistake, like a comic doesn't exist without the art. And it's like, you know, you have to be uh, I think the, the best writers are visually minded. Uh, you know, and it's like, so it's not surprising that they have some kind of drawing skill, uh, you know, and are able to kind of, 
uh, you know, see things pretty vividly and clearly and kind of go from there. Um, it's, you know, it's uh, a comic script is pretty worthless <laughs> without the art. It's not, it's not a cool thing to read. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've read a lot of comic scripts and uh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some of mine and I wish I hadn't anyway. Um, <laughs> so I want, I want to ask you because you're, you know, I, everyone always assumes that, you know, someone's new, right? Like you're, you might be, Unstoppable Doom Patrol might be the first time that a lot of people are hearing of you, but clearly, as you just laid out, your career didn't start with Unstoppable Doom Patrol number one. Um, so you've had a lot of work that you've done prior to now. What do you want your career to look like when you look forward and you look, you know, maybe even 10, 20 years down the line? Nothing's ever perfect, but is it, are you wanting a career where you know, you've done a lot of great DC work and maybe some great Marvel work. And that's kind of what you're where what you've staked, where you staked your claim. Or do you want to lean more into the creator own stuff and tell your own stories? Like what's most important to you, I guess, looking forward? Uh, I mean, I love I love doing both. Like I love, uh, you know, like I, I have just as much fun doing Crone as I as I do Unstoppable Doom Patrol. But they're they're definitely pretty different processes, you know, like it, it's still at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's writing and scripting a comic, but, you know, uh, I didn't have to read a hundred comic issues to do Crone. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, there's a, but, but at the same time, there was still, uh, you know, movies that I rewatched and, you know, stuff that I revisited and, and things like that to kind of come around to get the vibe that I wanted for Crone. Um, you know, I think that, uh, when you write Marvel and DC comics, um, the 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 best help you have is that you know if you're writing Batman, you've got nearly a hundred years of Batman at your back, and you know sometimes that can be a bad thing, but I think for the most part it's a good thing. Like you've got incredible wind at your back, you know you've got all these great Batman stories to inspire you, or to spark ideas, or to or to give you like you know something that the page isn't totally empty. In other words. Whereas with a creator-owned book, you're kind of starting from, uh, you know, you have less wind at your back. And so I think uh, I like working both. I've been a lifelong fan of both Marvel and DC. I love the DC universe. Like, I think it's super fun. I love, like, doing this with Doom Patrol and kind of building out a corner of the DC universe. Like, that's that's great fun. Um, but I also have ideas that I want to kind of, uh, you know, work up and build on my own. Um you know, like, uh, you know, I've had, I've had some of my ideas like option before, like they've never kind of, they haven't gone any deeper yet, but like, you know, I love the idea of something turning into a TV show or a cartoon or, or something like that. That's really cool. Um, you know, and I, and theoretically it could happen with Marvel and DC stuff, but it's not as uh, lucrative, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> um, but you know, it's like, yeah, I, I like all those ideas, uh, playing with that stuff. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's two different things. It's almost like parallel lanes running on the freeway, you know, like working with, working with the superhero universe. Like I love superheroes. I think they're super, like, super cool. Uh, but I think it's a lot of fun, you know, and it's, um, I like playing with the continuity. I like, you know, figuring that out and figuring out the puzzle and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's just, and I guess you know, creator and stuff's just a different kind of puzzle. At the end of the day. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, I wanted to run by a, a listener question. This is from Martin Sanchez, and Martin Sanchez, we've used plenty of his uh, Twitter uh, questions for uh, to farm content from. But but he had a question <laughs> saying, uh, "This is something I'm always curious about when certain characters get used. Whose idea was it to use Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner and Unstoppable Doom Patrol? And I know they're coming up in issue three, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, that's. Yeah. I think that's on sale 20th? not this week, but next week. Twenty third. Um, yeah, yeah. Say what? I think it said. I think I saw the twenty third, May twenty third. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yep. Um, yeah, like the like the fourth week. We usually come out the fourth week. Um, is that was Guy Gardner and, and Kyle? It was all my idea. That those are just my favorite Green Lanterns. Uh, nice. Like it was. Uh, a lot of times, uh, it, you know, it's funny. Like uh, you know, we all read the comments on the internet, and and a lot of times people will see something uh, that I've done that I've added, and they'll think it's like some mandate by DC. And that is rarely the case. Mm. Um, usually, uh, DC, you know, they, they, they if if I'm if I'm assigned a story, it's usually we want to get this character from point A to point B, and the rest of it's up to me, you know, or we want this to happen in this story, you know, or this story is a part of a crossover, and all that needs to happen is, you know, it just needs to, you know, fit that theme. Um, it's not as uh, crazy heavy-handed as you might think. Um, I think as you get into, you know, bigger levels, you know, and you're dealing with like a company-wide crossover, then sure. those conversations are probably a little more direct. But, you know, working on something like Doom Patrol, uh, I make an outline, I show it to my editor, Ben. Uh, you know, if he has notes, he'll say, well, you know, this is cool. He's like, I don't, you know, if, if we can, he rarely says no. Like he usually finds a way to say yes to things. And that's, that's, that's been the best. Uh, when I was working on Future State Gotham, uh, you know, uh, I did an art called the next Joker and that just came from the idea is like, well, we're, if we're calling this character, the next Batman, I was like, then there must be a next Joker, right? Like mm -hmm. that's how the idea started. And then I just kind of pitched it to Ben and I was like, what if we did this? And he was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's do it. You know, and we kind of just ran with it from there. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I love Kyle Rayner. Uh, I loved uh, him in JLA uh, yeah. I think he's he's rad. Uh, I think I love Guy Gardner for different reasons because you know I used to read the Justice League International book. He's an asshole. He's like a lovable asshole though. Um, I just think those two characters are super interesting. Um, you know, uh, we didn't know that Green Lantern number one was coming out the same month as this issue because I mean I I had most of this stuff done before the end of last year, like written. Um, but we knew there was going to be a new Green Lantern book on the horizon somewhere. So using how Jordan didn't make as much sense to me because I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. I didn't, you know, when it, when it came together, uh, and I, I knew there was, there was going to be a how Jordan book and probably a John Stewart book. So it was like, well, let me just use some of the other guys. And it was like, I, I mean, I, you know, I say all that, I probably still would have used, uh, Kyle and Guy anyway, just cause I love those guys. Um, but yeah, it was nobody nobody was tying my hands or telling me I had to use someone. It was just me trying to be mindful and also uh just playing favorites. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like I think that probably fits the vibe more of Doom Patrol anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like uh I there's there's some lines that the guy, you know, guy especially he's kind of annoyed that uh because in this issue they're kind of on cleanup duty and you know, they're kind of <laughs> 
they're not the main Green Lanterns, you know, they're the Green Lanterns that are kind of off to the side, you know, having to do the, the stuff. And I, I think that's, there's like a little bit of a meta commentary there with, with the Doom Patrol, you know, they're not the main guys. Uh, I always say about the Doom Patrol, you know, when everybody shows up at the end of the crisis to take that big group photo, the Doom Patrol's never there. They're never invited to that kind of stuff, <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're they're not they're not the prominent thoughts so there's they're kind of like barging in uh which is kind of the same thing i think that guy especially would do yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely well dennis thank you so much uh this has been a a blast um again we love doom patrol i really fell in love with crone i think you're doing fantastic work and i really can't wait to see what the future holds for you Cool. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks for reading Crone too. Like that, that's that was a nice surprise. I wasn't expecting to talk about that today. Uh so yeah, that was super fun. Absolutely. We'd love to have you back. Uh thank you all for listening to the conversation with Dennis. Uh real quick before you go, um, any plugs, uh places people can find you, things like that. Uh you can I'm Dennis Culver, all one word everywhere. Uh I do do a substack. Um and I've, I've been doing kind of an unofficial letter column for Doom Patrol uh, on that called the Doom Scroll. And it's, uh, you know, so there's like the hashtag, the Doom Scroll, like, you know, if you ever want to like ask me a question about the book or the current issue, I'm happy to do that. Um, I've already done one for the Lazarus Planet special. I did one for issue one. Uh, and then I'm halfway through writing the one for issue two. It'll probably drop some point next week. But uh, that is, a, my Substack's a great place to just kind of, keep keep in the loop on what I've got going on and also uh a lot of times I drop stuff there before I drop it anywhere else because it's just a, it's a smaller number of people and you know like I feel like if you're taking the time to to follow me there I'll give you a little a little reward like you know and so you'll end up seeing things that you wouldn't normally see uh you know on my Twitter feed or whatever yeah we know a lot about that uh um yeah listen thank you again for coming Really appreciate it. Uh, live viewers, we will be back in just a minute. We're going to say goodbye to Dennis off air. Uh, so we will see you in a moment. Cool. Hey, uh, thank you for sticking around. Uh, how about that conversation with Dennis Culver? I really enjoyed it. Yo, I love seeing the Doom Patrol. He's getting the recognition it finally deserves. Mm. Like, like, he's right. Like, Doom Patrol had a TV show out. And one of the main characters is an Oscar-winning actor. Like, you'd think... I mean, yeah, that's more think, recent, but you'd think he, there'd be a book. It deserves the book, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Sean, you ever, we, uh, you, you ever, uh, we should try to maybe put in a Flex Mentalo by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely as a, uh, as a book club one day. Did you know that you existed? Pick, uh, I didn't, but if you pick it, Ooh, yeah. Listen, the listeners, it's in my shelf to... that's over here. Wait, over here? It's, this is a fake screen, but this is my actual bookshelf. But yeah, it's right there, right there. I have uh, that's my one book signed by Grant. Oh, really? Whoa, 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 whoa! You, you, how did you get it signed by Grant? He, uh, they, sorry, they, sorry, they uh, did a signing at the Forbidden Planet in Glasgow. Uh, nice. But I have a rule: I will not meet Grant Morrison. <laughs> I won't do it. You Why are you suck, so afraid of dude? It? I had a friend take it and get it signed for me because I was no. also doing a comic show on the radio in Glasgow. Well, that's right. Um, and it it did literally just happen to uh, be at the same time. 
And I could have ducked out, but I, there's no way. I can't do it. I cannot meet Grant Morrison. Sean, if you ever go to a, a con or something, if, when you go to the cons, uh, Comic Book Legal Defense Fund usually has Grant Morrison signs, signed trades that you can just get. Um, oh, do you want to see it? I'll get it. I, yeah, I'd love part. to see it. Will my yeah, face start it. melting, you know, like uh, Ark of the Covenant style, uh, Indiana Jones? <laughs> well, see, that's what I'm worried will happen if I meet them. So I got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Dude, I, I obviously I've told this story before, but I I met Grant and it was yeah. one of the most impactful moments of my life. I can't imagine passing that up. I, I met remember. him standing in line for coffee, or I met them standing in line for coffee. For real? Yeah, it was at New York Comic Con. I was I was standing behind behind a guy, uh, uh, and then I was like, "Oh, this person's real oh. bald." Um, Yo, the oh, kale. It wow. Kale. It says two kale, so you can't flip that. Nice. Uh, why would I? Why would I? The Grant Morrison signed book. That's sick. Uh, it bugs me so much that they did it on the front cover. Oh, <laughs> come on, dude. <laughs> There's That's... a comic book collector out of them. Just <laughs> hilarious. Well, we've got we've got some more show to do. It's not uh hopefully you enjoyed the conversation with Dennis Culver. Let us know Killed if it, you yeah. did. Um, and I, I definitely recommend picking up Unstoppable Doom Patrol. It's great. I sung the praises of Crone. I stand by everything I said. I had so much fun reading that book, and I genuinely think uh, it's a hidden gem. And I, I feel like I don't come across that. Like, I don't come across the hidden gems. I'm not that guy. Mm. So I'm really <laughs> glad that I got to that I got to read this. Yeah, um, you're, you're like the WWE fan of comic books. You know, you yeah, like, I'm yeah. the WWE fan of wrestling. Yeah, I, <laughs> I like I like mainstream things, but I also want to be exposed to other things. They just have to be really good, and I, you know, I don't want to test first, the folks. waters. Sean wants to be exposed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna run through a news block here because we do have some things to chat about. Um, I actually I did I I, I did want to read a couple of comments. I'm I'm I know I'm being greedy. You, but... you didn't give them to me, but. I know, I got them. So, uh, real quick, William B. on the writer strike conversation said, "If the screenwriters, if the screenwriter to comics Exodus happens, I hope you pals do an Ezra Watch style ongoing update on Bobby Hollywood snatching comic jobs." Listen, Bobby Hollywood is already active. My man's a menace. Okay, if you go on social media right now, you're gonna realize that Bobby Hollywood is trying to take up all the jobs in comics. Look it up. I'm telling you, and we will keep up. We will keep up with Bobby Hollywood. Isn't his brother on a Great British Bake Off? Who, Jerry? Kale. Oh. Kale. Yeah, that was, a, that was a joke for Kale. Yeah. Oh. Uh, that's not a real person, right? Bobby Hollywood? Yeah. No, 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 no. No, but okay, yes. All right. I just want to make sure I was on the same page as everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just. Paul just... Hollywood is. Paul Hollywood is a real person. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby, I don't know anything about that, but Paul is. Unfortunately, a real person. <laughs> and uh, I, I want to say shout out to to William B because long time listener from our SoundCloud days. So shout out, good to good to see your name again. For real. Uh, speaking of which, you can head on over to SoundCloud.com slash the Comics Pals and listen to our mixtape. That is not true. Um, <laughs> oh, Alexander say, Bruno <laughs> on the AI <laughs> discussion from time. last week. We're not. Um, you four, you four guys are my dudes, but I'm dying to know what does Marco do for a living? His love of AI makes me curious. Work in digital marketing, and uh, funny enough, there's a uh, there's a conference this year where the keynote is actually going to be AI and its integration into marketing and how that's going to like 
flourish not just from a like tech implementation standpoint on stuff like uh, social media platforms or whatever marketing platforms you might use, but like how to incorporate it into day-to-day day-to-day uses. Like for me, um, we haven't gotten that far in my organization, but uh, it is something that the industry is looking at as a whole. So I I work in uh, marketing. I was looking at that uh, convention actually, Marco. One of the one of the panels is actually looks really interesting. You should probably check it out. It's uh, mm-hmm. how to fire your digital marketing uh, uh, person and replace oh, yeah? with AI. Yeah, my man's yeah, about to yeah. go listen to a whole speech about how he's going to lose his job. Yeah. A job that that <laughs> revolves around a lot of uh, number crunching and algorithms, right? Right. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, that can't be replaced by AI. No way. Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. Thanks for the comment, Alexander. Uh, Hellspawn05 wrote in to talk about the Lazarus Book Club, and they said, great discussion, guys, on a fantastic series. I also was picking it up as it was coming out, but the release schedule changes took the sales out of me. Okay. Uh, Still picked up every issue, but thanks to this video, I'll be doing a reread of it after a reread of Monstrous. Loved forever and all the dynamics of the story. I look forward to the back matter of each issue as well, and I can't wait for it to come back and have a definitive end. Keep up the great work. You know what? Um... I am due to catch up with Monstrous. I love that series Ooh, as well. Very good. Thank you uh, for writing in about Lazarus. Um, I got to catch up too on Lazarus because I really, really want to uh, have Greg on the show. Just putting that out there. <laughs> and so um, I would love to chat about the full, the full Lazarus book. And thank you for the uh, thank you for the compliment, Sean. Appreciate the it. guy who drew Crone uh, that was uh, Justin Greenwood apparently did an issue of Lazarus X sixty six. So there's your little oh little connection there for the day. Shit, thank you. That's that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Uh, he worked on Stumptown with Greg Rucka, so there's probably the oh the okay yeah. yeah that's that that makes sense yeah. Did you read Stumptown? I did read Stumptown. Stumptown's good, dude. I love that. Yeah. The show didn't do Forgot it, it was but... a thing. <laughs> All right. Let's shift gears, do a little news. There is a new Gene Gray solo Gene! series. <laughs> and I feel like we couldn't do the show without talking about this. Sean wouldn't this. let us do the show without talking about it. I wouldn't want to do the show unless Sean got to talk about it, so. Yeah, right. Uh, so it's Simonson um, who's going to be writing this series. Uh, Fall of X, Gene Gray, number one is coming in August. It's going to spin out of, you know, whatever is going to happen in the X uh, Men Hellfire Gala. Gene Gray is allegedly holding the key to rescuing mutant kind. Um, and it's going to require her to take a look back into her history. So. It kind of feels like one of those made for the eighties uh comic book readers a comics. A little, little bit that uh... yeah. That also ties in to what's going on in the modern books. He's gonna be joined by Bernard Chang on art. Ooh. Um so that's pretty cool. Uh she said, I loved writing X Factor, and Jean was a pivotal part of those stories, from the escape from her Phoenix created cocoon to her life and death battle with the Goblin Queen in Inferno. So it's really exciting to explore Jean's part in this new mega adventure. And, and this is cover. This is marketed with the fall of X. So like, even though it feels like, you know, Joe Fix It, it feels like, you know, any cosmic Marvel that has Adam Warlock in it. Um 
apparently it is not that. It is like in continuity. I want to say all of them are, but yeah. uh, in present well, day in a way. Uh, after um, was the event that just happened, the big one. The, Sinister. Uh, Sinister. Sinister. Yeah. No, the uh 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 a a axe. A, oh uh, yeah, Judgment Day. Uh, Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> was, uh, sorry, well, Avengers versus X Men Judgment Day. Well, Marvel presents Avengers. Yeah, oh, man, okay, Avengers versus X Men versus Eternals. Right, Judgment yep. Day yep. by Kieran Gillen, etc. Um, uh, uh, at the end of that, she has the key to potentially resurrecting humans or something as well. Am I misremembering we never got that? Up on that? Did we? Well, they, they, they've, they've opened the door to resurrecting humans as well. Yeah. And I, as I recall, Gene had some key to that. So I wonder if this could tie that up somehow and, you know, we'll see. make Gene, uh, give Gene her storm moment here. You know, I have to be honest. I don't care about this. Wow. Ooh, traitor to his wow. own kind. So I obviously adore Jean Grey more than I adore most people and things. <laughs> but I don't actually need a Jean Grey solo book if it's not going to be really, really like I I have an axe to grind with Marvel because I think that they failed to capitalize on her resurrection. And mm. I think that the way that they handled that was completely wrong. Um, and I don't discredit Matthew Rosenberg, who is the one that brought her back. I just don't feel like Marvel really had a plan. And I think it was done really strangely. Um, and so I've always been frustrated with how they've handled her. They brought her back to do nothing with her. And they've essentially continued to do that. I don't believe that this is going to elevate her status in the X-Men. I think that this is a way to, you know, continue working with Luis, who, they, who they've had, you know, in the fold. She did the Electra. Um, I think it was the, uh, the, the anniversary issue for her or so. the Red, White, and Blood or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they're doing more work with her. She's obviously a very talented creator from a bygone era, and the fact that she wrote Jean in X-Factor is the reason she's writing her now. And that doesn't feel dissimilar to Chris Claremont doing a Storm book, even though this one has relevance to the fall of X storyline. Do, do you think this is the indicator that Marvel's trying to really lean into the success of those books? I'm like, well, those books are doing good. Maybe I just we just make those. You know, maybe we marker them as, you know, being important to the greater story. I think this is just a unique opportunity that they're capitalizing on. But like, yeah, I I don't really see how they could do that and move the overall Marvel narrative forward, you know? You don't think Joe Fixit is more, you know, is important to the larger Marvel mythos? I'm not saying he's not, but you can't focus on Joe Fixit. And the next event, you know what I mean? I mean, 
I also think like Jean is like a good character for for an ongoing, and this is only her second yeah. on, ongoing, right? The, the first one really? was the Dennis Hopeless Victor Ibanez one during the Bendis era, which mm. fantastic yeah. book. Yeah, uh, I love that book. I thought that I was bet, great. I I I beg to differ. It's because uh, it was young Jean. Yeah, that yeah. that that is immediately just like why. Um. Look, I I don't think that Jean Grey needs an ongoing. I don't I don't I don't know. I I hate this era that we're in where everybody needs an ongoing. What's wrong with being a great character in an ensemble? You know, um the, the ongoing won't if it's if it's an actual ongoing, which I don't know that, but if it is, it's not going to last because as much as I love Jean and many people love Jean, the reality is that there's a reason why she hasn't had sustainable ongoings and i and as a gene gray fan the reason for me why i won't buy well i will buy this because i have to but why i don't care about it is simply because and i i feel and i could be wrong it's not going to dive into her deep enough for me Mm -hmm. and if it's not going to do that i don't care about gene gray in the context of an action adventure solo story so you you worry this is just going to be like a one story and you know a romp and that's all we're going to get and that's not valuable for you right i want to i want a very deep character analysis but that's not going to sell either which is why i just don't think this book makes dollars or cents to me just just make this about the thruple that is wolverine and Hell cyclops yeah. like that that's what Hell this needs yeah. to be and that's going to break that's going to bring in the money Called the Krakoa Sutra. Just that I hate. I hate everything you just said. Uh, hold on a second. <laughs> Genuinely, <laughs> because that is something. That the is Krakoa not anything. Sutra. <laughs> Sutra? This is yeah. Marvel Comics. I want to see what about, the mutants could do. Talk, yeah. talk about deep character analysis. Oh, yeah. There you go, Matt. I'm not acknowledging Gene as mid. I would never, <laughs> ever do such a thing, and I think that's blasphemous. It's more just that you know I don't look. I love Professor Xavier. Does he need a solo series? No. I didn't even think Magneto needed a solo series. Um, but we got good limited series that dove deeply into his psychology. That's what I want for Gene. This ain't going to be that. And realistically, she doesn't play solo no more, you know? so Everybody yep. plays solo, Marco. Oh, sorry. Okay. What are you talking about? The mm-hmm. Especially you. No! <laughs> The way this was marketed too, it was like, remember when we had that Fall of X, you know, promotional image with like all the X Men dead in a in an X, yeah, uh, the Brian Hitch thing, and like on the side we had all the books they were gonna announce. Um, it was like a C two E two announcement or whatever. Uh, this yeah. wasn't on it, and this also comes outside of the other Fall of X announcements, so it does it does feel like the redheaded stepchild <laughs> of Fall of X. Yeah, uh, I'm just disappointed, and and don't. Don't keep bringing up Teen Gene, okay? Teen Gene <laughs> was a tease because it wasn't the gene whoa, that whoa, anyone whoa, actually... Whoa, whoa. Relax! <laughs> What's wrong with your mind, Tyler? I'm going to phrase that better. <laughs> because it wasn't the gene that anybody actually wanted. Not even probably Bendis, okay? Like, being real, I'm sure that Bendis wished that Bendis could have been telling stories with the adult version of his characters primarily bringing them back that's the idea you do because marvel won't let you do anything else 
So one, one thing I, that um that, that also is a little annoying about this, and I think I think Matt was the one who brought it up in the in the, in the Discord, was that this is Bernard Chang on art, um, with an, with a very stylized Amy Reader A cover. Yeah. Um, yeah. And those art styles are very different. That's um, fair. It, it, this you're, what you see when you're when you pick up this book is not what you're getting inside, and I I can see how that can be frustrating. I think if the art style was this, what's on the cover, uh, I would have more hope because this this art evokes to me something that might be a little more ethereal, something that might be a little you know you know like that yeah. that would make me go oh okay so maybe they're onto something. It's a Batwoman but, elegy for for Jean Grey in a way, yeah. Yo. Please, if only that Williams on a gray book. There we go. Yeah, that I'll buy. That I'll buy. So Tyler, if you want to pitch that, then I'm in. Otherwise, for this, we'll read it for the get him on the horn. Right, exactly. We'll we'll read this for the show. Um, and and maybe I'll be wrong, and I'll I'll be happy to be wrong because I love Jean Grey so Uh, much. And I'm assuming this is still Tom Muller on design. Um, and so this logo is pretty fire, though. I want to shout that out. I'm kind of in on the logo, to be honest. Damn. All right. Way too All right. Let's let's do a little a little instance of good idea, bad idea. One of my Gray favorite book, bad idea. Damn. Having Marco <laughs> on the show, bad Great idea. idea. <laughs> no. Um. So here's a great idea. Marvel and many other publishers uh, decided to put. All of their uh, free comic book day titles digitally for free. They released them digitally for free, which is a great idea. I was not able to get to the store on free comic book day. We were locked in doing this. And by the time I'm done with this, the store I go to, they're not going to have any of the big two stuff. So it's not even worth going. But this year, uh, not only Marvel, Marvel chose to put out their offerings, their uh for six free comic book day offerings uh, up for free, but the other publishers did it as well. So DC put out their five books. Um, uh, IDW put theirs out. Dark Horse put theirs out. Everybody put theirs out. And uh, the Marvel ones are available through Marvel's website and app. And then the other ones are available through Amazon. So it's really cool. If you missed out, you can read them. They're free. So you literally just download them and you're good to go. I think that's fantastic. I'm definitely going to be doing this because I want. I really want to read the uh, Hickman um, mm-hmm. Ultimate Annihilation or whatever it's called prologue. Yeah. So Ultimate Invasion. My apologies. Isn't there a prologue to that uh, other thing he's doing? Gods, yes. Gods, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, oh. that's in there too, yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm really excited to, to read these. One of the books that Marvel is offering for free is Marvel's Spider-Man two. I'm not talking about the movie from 2004. I'm not even talking about amazing Spider-Man two from 2014. I'm talking about the video game. Marvel's Spider-Man two, the video game, the upcoming game from this fall. Oh, Gamerverse uh, brand. Yeah. Never used. <laughs> and This book, this prequel comic, was made available for free. It is not a free comic book day comic in the traditional sense. Marvel, and this is the bad, chose to send 
copies of Marvel Spider-Man 2 prequel comic in bundles of varying, seemingly random amounts to stores all across the country without even telling them that they were going to get the book. Yikes. They didn't announce it beforehand. Not just to... They didn't only not announce it to us, the public. They didn't even tell the retailers that this book was coming. Uh, but but free still, right? Like they're not on the hook for anything. It's it's a it's still free. It's okay. a free comic. Well, my prop. Go ahead. Free, like even free comic book day books aren't free to the shops. This one was, I assume. If this one was one hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The reason why I'm saying it's a bad idea is because there are more people who will buy this video game than read Amazing Spider-Man at least in a given month, maybe even probably in a year. It's going to be a juggernaut. It's probably the most anticipated game of 2023. How do you not let gamers know that Mm. this book is going to be available on free comic book day so they walk in your store to get it? Good on them to send it to them for free. Bad on them to not give them any opportunity to market it. A lot of stores, because there were there were comments from store owners about how they chose to handle this. A lot of stores just slipped it into the the pull list of a person who's pulling Amazing Spider-Man. And I think that's great. Yeah. But wouldn't it be better for this book to be available alongside other comics on the stands for a gamer to go, holy shit, I got to have this? Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. the cross section of someone who plays... Uh, Marvel Spider-Man and also reads amazing. It's there, but there's so many more people who do one over the other. Yeah. I just don't get it. I'm befuddled. It, it's also weird that you wouldn't like, uh, you wouldn't put more of an announcement on this considering it's a crossover for the game. Like you could probably get some sort of because uh, it's a PS PlayStation exclusive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, so like I imagine you can even get something on like a, a co-branding of like PlayStation only kind of thing, and and you can you can work through some connection there to do something bigger, some larger activation. This is yeah, somebody dropped the ball on this because there is this is rife with partnership opportunities. Yeah, this is this is a stutter to me. Yeah, Matt, I didn't even I didn't even know that day that it existed. I, I genuinely had no idea until I was working on, you know, putting the show together. And I was like, holy shit, this is real. Um, So just it, it just blows my mind. And yeah, um, the first Sp- uh, Spider-Man game for PS4 sold 22 million copies. Mm. So, so, yeah, you missed out on 22 million comic book readers. DC has. uh you know, ads airing during AEW Dynamite for their comics. Marvel can't even remember to let the retailers themselves know that they're getting a copy that's a prequel to the to the biggest game of 2023. Wait, do they really? Yes. No way. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. They showed uh, Dennis Culver's Unstoppable Doom Patrol. No on, way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yep. The last so, 13 also says that the uh, the DC free book We Are Legend special that came out before Free Comic Book Day uh, didn't go out at least at, at, at in their shop before Free Comic Book Day. 
so no one even knew about it. Right. Yeah. That oh. that and 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 I'm so glad you brought that up because that's the exact thing that I was talking about two months ago when we had the conversation about free comic book day and why it was that DC and Marvel were putting out quote unquote free books orbiting free comic book day, but not actually on the day. And I knew that that exact thing would happen. That's what I was trying to say, Marco. (laughs) Damn directed. (laughs) Uh, You know, and I was like looking away from the screen because I I was waiting for the the shot, you know, of course you think I'm going to pass that up. All right. Uh so little good idea, bad idea for you. I, I just I just want Marvel Marvel in particular at this point to, you know, make the right decisions when it comes to this stuff. Um let's move forward and really quick talk about the fact that distillery has found a home for its comics. Uh we know how they're handling the digital stuff, which you know we had some concerns about, but we didn't know how they would be getting comics physical books into stores and into the hands of readers they have to be revolutionizing the physical side of it right like yeah. mm-hmm. their own um distributors maybe they're handling it themselves right you know packaging stuff really nice um handling the returns um exceptionally well i have to imagine gotta look gotta look towards the future of what comic book distribution is you know you can't you can't work with like some sort of dinosaur in the industry right um, I mean, you, you, you probably shouldn't, that would make a lot of sense. Uh, it's been announced that distillery has partnered with none other than everybody's favorite diamond diamond will be distributing distillery. This is a new what, what... diamond, right? Like a, a diamond in the rough, the, this new company that's just come out. This isn't can't build a search function on their website. Diamond. No, Kale. I'm talking about. Jeppy family owned diamond uh, distributors. Yeah. So when you said diamond originally, you were like diamond. It was very Trumpish, and I and I, it made me laugh inside. I'm in my Trump era. I'm I'm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Cancelled. All this talk about Teen Gene really takes another. Uh... Whoa, whoa, whoa! Please, please, please. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, oh, I'm. I'm dizzy. I laugh too hard. I'm dizzy now. Oh, no. I'm 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 flabbergasted by this announcement. Wild, dude, and especially considering like how uh, Marvel and DC have moved away, you can work with a larger publisher. Like like uh, the fact that people who were previously at Comicsology, uh, their first thought was, "Yeah, let's go to these guys." You know, like that that feels even that that just feels weird. It feels dumb. <laughs> I don't see the big deal personally. It just feels like, all right, let's go with the one like, you know, that, that knows what they're doing allegedly. Um, it has been doing this for years. You know, it's, it's like a over reliable, you know, SpongeBob's, you know, special spatula. They couldn't get anybody else on the phone. Like it's just, it just strikes me as odd when so many publishers are, are, are striking out and making deals with penguin random house and, you know, others, that they would go to the old rickety comics publisher. I have nothing particularly against Diamond, um, but I just I, I'm really surprised because we all know the problems that Diamond has had. 
Um, and they've made strides to improve. There's no doubt about that. But I don't know of any any um, retailers that I've personally seen saying they missed the diamond days if they moved on. I've I've got I've got diamond just up the street from me, and the two shops in Liverpool can't get their comics on time. So like, why would I be excited about this? Like, yeah, I'm I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. But at least now we know that distillery books will be getting to shops. It might be a little bent. Maybe, you know, they'll be uh they'll be a little torn up, but they'll be there. Oh, maybe. We'll if see, right. if they get there. If it won't be yeah. international for sure. Yeah. Uh Tyler, who are we shouting out that subbed? Let's uh that would be Alex Piper Hallowell. Thanks. Thanks, Alex Piper. Hallowell. Whoa. Is that is that is that the Piper Hallowell? From Charmed? Is that where that's from? Hey, you never know. I love Charmed, by the way. I don't you know if I've ever loved, said that. You just loved... Absolutely. What was it? Pre-CW stuff? UPN? What was it? WB? WB, baby. Yeah, yeah get out well, of here. I, I, I think it's WB, UPN. That, that might have been racially yeah. charged. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Why would you think that I would just be watching UPN, Tyler? Self-report. You watch Martin, yeah. right? <laughs> I, I did. I did. I'm digging myself deeper. Sean, next topic. <laughs> Unreal. Um, about a Trump era, jeez. <laughs> yeah, we want to talk about doing doing Donald Trump impressions. Who does that more than Tyler? He's got the hands going. He's got the. Oh, here it comes. Come. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about Wonder Woman. Well, let's not talk about Wonder Woman. Let's talk about Wonder Woman's daughter. Oh, congrats. Right. The most <laughs> astounding like... <laughs> announcement this week. This really caught me off guard. Um, Tom King teased that a big, wonderful announcement was coming. Uh, I believe this wonderful. was on May 12th. I, I guess it was yesterday. Um, and then like an hour or so later, we saw Daniel Samper share an image of Trinity. who was Wonder Woman's daughter. Uh, I have to say, um, you know, it's a it's a great looking image. The the colors are phenomenal. Daniel Samper is one of the best artists, I think, in DC stable right now. Very good. Maybe just in comics in general. So you can't really be too mad at this. Um, let's just talk real quick about the design and then we can talk about everything else. Insane that they gave her pants, right? <laughs> it is very much New 52 Wonder Woman in a way, like uh, yeah. the one that didn't stick or, or the... Um... Oh geez, what was the Wonder Woman TV show actress? She's in the oh, she's in shoot. the Orville now. She's in what? She's in Orville. Damn, I tip of my tongue. Eight, yeah. yeah, I got you. So uh, Adrian Palecki, 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 right? No. Palecki. No, you're close. Linda Carter. No, Wait, Marco, what TV? You, you, she was Mockingbird in Agents yeah. of Shield. Marco, was that a joke? You said the TV, the Wonder Woman TV actress, right? <laughs> Marco. <laughs> yeah, Adrian Palecki. Yeah, you're right. Okay, Ooh, there it is. Yeah. Oh my god, Linda Carter. Marco never change. Um, wait, what? Did you not say the the more recent it's, one? Like, it's just it's, funny that you didn't realize we were talking about the more recent one. Yeah. There's a no, more he, recent TV live action TV show. <laughs> uh, he's just a uh, new babe. <laughs> 
I don't think it ever aired. It I don't, yeah, no, I don't no, think no. it actually. But came we just saw a costume from it, and the costume uh, yeah. kind of yeah, looked yeah, similar. Yeah. Pedro Pascal was in it. I think they did film some. They did. They filmed. Yeah. It just I, I just don't out. think it came out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you? Yeah. What do you guys think about the the look? I didn't know a baby can come about through a threesome. Um, because it 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 feels like the it's it's her name's Trinity. So I mean, I, I guess Trinity. I mean I guess. <laughs> scientifically speaking it could you know um but it looks like there's like a part of each of the trinity with her um specifically with the three, the three lassos in this design uh you got a black one real batman vibes you got lasso truth and you got a white one which i guess would be superman in a way um it seems to be really kind of uh i guess uh playing into that the whole the the dc trinity aspect of her um, which is interesting. It's almost a bit of a, like a my two dad situation going on here. Uh, I think I think because it's Daniel Semper and art, like it gets rendered very well. So yeah. the design overall is just tight. I like the boots. Uh, her headband is cool. The hair color is cool. Like all of it, yeah, solid. It's <laughs> it's where she fits in all of this, right? But yeah, it looks like a wonder. Wonder Woman, Wonder Girl design, like it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's good. It could be. I don't think it's. I don't think it's anything particularly like unique. Yeah. It's weird because I I like the design, but I'd be mad if this were if this were like Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman. I I agree. I think there, but I think she has a very like very solid look. You know, mm. like it it is burned into our minds the same way Batman is, and the same way Superman might be. Sure. Oh uh, yeah, Aruboro Snake brings up a good point that we now have two trinities uh, in DC. Oh, that's the one right. from Romvi's the Swamp Thing, and now we've got uh, Wonder Woman's daughter. So, all right. Now, I, I, I wish I wish I could muster up excitement for things like this, but boy, am I tired of Daughter of X, Son of X, Cousin of X. I just uh, are, are those new X Men events coming out? I think it's cousin I think of cousin, cousin of X. Yeah, is, is what's fall after fall of X. I got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, why? You know, Tom King talked about how you know he he liked the idea of you know Batman's son Damian and Superman's son John having to be you know bro- sort of like brothers and them having to help raise or look after their sister. And if they're going to have a sister, then it makes sense that it'd be Wonder Woman's daughter. So that now they're all brother and sister together. And it's very incestuous, which, because, I mean, how many times have we not seen Batman and Wonder Woman paired up? Superman and Wonder Woman paired up. Batman and Superman, well, that's the fanfic. Uh, paired up. No, you're right. Oh, yeah, that's um, the thing. Yeah, yeah. So, to me, that's already creepy and weird. But beyond that fact... Why do they all have to have kids? And why, like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's Muppet Babies, you know. It's it's that sort of thing. It's just like we need to have the teen version of of things. But um, but she's a she's a warrior, right? And so it would I feel like it would have been cooler to be, you know, this is like a like this is yes a daughter in the sense that like I've I've fought alongside this person, you know, I I have. Uh, I care for this individual like that. That to me feels like it meshes better with her narrative, who she, uh, 
who the Amazons are as like a culture. I, I think that makes more story sense. I mean, I, I don't expect one woman to actually have a kid in this. It's probably going to be a, a formation of clay sort of thing situation. I don't expect them to do pregnant Diana Prince, um, no. let alone written by Tom King, a guy. Uh, well, I, let me add a little context to that. So this, the, the, the Wonder Woman 800 story, which is where Trinity debuts, yeah. um, takes place in the future. 20 years. Ago. And she's 20 years old. Yeah. Ish. So we don't know basically anything about how she comes to be. Right. Um, I assume, and it stands to reason, that during Tom King's run, we'll see how she comes to be. But I agree with you, Tyler, that th- I don't, there's no way that we're going to see a pregnant Wonder Woman, right? Like, no. I, I hope so. That, that feels like, I, that, that's a, I don't know if she's ever been in that position before. That'd be an interesting take for the character. The optics of a dude writing that, though, it's just what like, did... I don't want that. If, if you really want to give me a pregnant character, give me somebody who's experienced that, you know? But he's a father. Like, at the very least, he understands that. He's like, not a seahorse. Okay. <laughs> I, I think we're familiar with the, the concept, like, all of us, the concept of somebody having, uh, being pregnant, right? Like, that's yeah. not out of the realm of, that's not out of the realm of uh, possibility, right? But as a man, there are certain aspects of pregnancy that you do not and cannot experience. All right, but let's not yeah. let's not be ridiculous. Plenty of men have written stories in which a I, yeah. woman has been pregnant. I'm not that's, saying that's, it, that's, it can't be done, but absurd. if you're gonna do that with Wonder Woman, I would like to see that from you know written by somebody that's you know not a straight dude. Personally, personally so, speaking, so it was a gay dude that'd be okay. Uh, well, I mean, if somebody, if it's somebody who can get pregnant, this is how, this is how ridiculous this gets. Tom King is insanely talented. If Tom King's going to write a story about Wonder Woman being pregnant, I mean, my God, come on. He can't write Wonder Woman. I don't want that in the first place. First of all, I don't either. I think it's, I think it's, I, I don't care who writes it. You could get anybody to write it. The idea that Wonder Woman, a very, very physical character is going to be running around getting punched and beaten up while pregnant is not something that I need to see. Yeah, when you describe that's it like insane. that, it just sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why I'm like, this is absurd. There's just no yeah. way. I don't I mean, care who writes it. And then, that's no offense, I I don't really want the Wonder Woman, you know, uh, sits on a couch for a bit because her back hurts sort of book either. <laughs> I kind of so, want like a slice of life just proving story. your own point. Like, <laughs> any any man can write a pregnant person. Well, you, you just described it. I don't know. I would just lo- want, want someone who can, you know, uh, pardon me for wanting opportunities for uh, female writers to write uh the trinity characters count whoops Ooh. what are you pointing that at me i had no <laughs> voice in this i had no voice in this i i think that's totally cool i was just talking about a pregnant wonder woman um so philosopher king makes a good point as always dc has this proclivity for making new legacy characters after yeah. they've been neglected or after they've neglected the older ones there are already two other wonder girls and now trinity is going to supplant both of them that's my other major issue with this three wonder there's three yeah the fact that yeah that there's a confusion on how many other wonder girls there's wonder girl there's donna troy there's yada floor yeah oh yeah it's too many and and they also introduce yara as like this new future of Uh, dc as well like 
How you gonna Whoa. yo? How you do my girl, my girl dirty like that? Five G. You know, she's literally the opposite design of of this character. Yeah, she's got sleeves and black hair. Yo, Yara's design is fire. I just don't get it. And when you when you you know the way my mind works because I I think about five G a lot, right? So I look at this and I think about five G, and I go. <laughs> I'm not gonna touch that. Um. I, I think of, I think about the fact that you know Yada Floor is the promised successor, and now that five G is not a thing, now she might as well not be a thing, and yeah. Trinity is going to basically take over that spot. Um, I'm flabbergasted by that. What like why would you introduce another young Wonder Woman? When you already have one that you're literally not doing anything with, that's what less than five years or less old, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, you. No one can tell me at this point that that character was not created with the sole intent of being Wonder Woman in the five G era. Yep. Yeah. 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 It was a replacement character. One hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I. I want to see them interact. Cause, actually, no, I don't want to see them interact. I don't want. Mm, I now I just want a Yara book, another Yara book, a better Yara book. Did you getting see it now. the uh, Tom King's uh, answer to this? Uh, somebody uh, tweeted at him, "Where are Yara, Cassie, and Donna in this?" There's the three, and he said, "Another great question. They're part of this story. They're part of their own stories. They're essential to the future of the entire DCU. The goal of the Wonder Woman series is to place Diana and her family and her villains." And her unique perspective at the center of it all, which says a lot and nothing what? at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it, he might as well have just said this story is is he he, he should have cut the first part out. Yeah. This story is about Diana, and I'm with that. And I don't I don't want another Superman where there's all these Are other we, super people running yeah. around. Take in my opinion, taking away the importance of the main guy. I don't want that to happen with Wonder Woman. Um. And so I really would rather not see all those other Wonder People in her core book. It, especially you can't get people to care about Wonder Woman. Yeah, like, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Get Wonder Woman. Like, out of the Trinity, Wonder Woman's the one that's had trouble keeping an ongoing book right. and kind of solidifying her lore. And, I mean, her her origin's been redone, like, multiple times. Um, even, like, post-New 52. Um, yeah. So, like, it's like, all right. I think you need to kind of get her in order first before you start, you know, giving her her own family. Right. Because it doesn't, it hasn't worked. Yeah. Like, yeah. look at, look at Superman now. Look at how the rising tide has lifted all boats. Now we can get, you know, yeah. multiple Superman titles and also other super people titles. It, you it, know, the success of Superman right now is what's allowing this to happen. But how many Wonder Woman books are on the stands? Just her alone. She can't. It, it's been difficult. So yeah. introducing a daughter who's what? Going to get another, going to get a series? You know, try to launch a series for Wonder Girl. Trying to launch a series for Donna. Tr like, it's not, it's not it. Get, get her over. Even the movies aren't working. <laughs> and I had Pedro Pascal in the last one. Still couldn't do it. That, yeah, that guy's so hot right now. No one knows what to do with her. Just give her another kid. Great. 
shit. You know, bring back Azarello and Chang. That's my that's my call. That that that's how you fix relationships, right? You kind of just like work through it and go, just have a kid. Right. Uh, nobody touches that one. It's just a shame. I'm disappointed. I'm still excited for for Tom's run. I think it's going to be great. Um, and I'm interested to see how he handles this. But man, if DC just doesn't seem to have a clue what to do with not just Wonder Woman, but like putting her aside, the the 5G future characters. You know, we had a whole big discussion on the Discord about uh, John Kent and how he's been, you know, isolated and sequestered and the age up and all that. If you just like no one can convince me Yada Floor wasn't created for no one can convince me that John Kent's entire last few years was leading up to a future that never came. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's off the board. That's my feeling. Yeah. The same with uh the the Batman, Big Stepper Batman, Tim's Batman. Where's yeah. he at? Got me excited there for a second. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Still in New York, yeah. Doing nothing. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Jace uh, Fox. Tim, Tim Fox. Yeah. Or Tim Fox. Uh, whatever, whatever. The Fox. Yeah. yeah. Should Fox be patrolling too. the subway, huh? Right. <laughs> yeah. This is a miss. Yeah. Uh, not a fan of the, the lassos. Just give me other people, dude. Oh, we uh, we think different. We, we heard differently, Marco. <laughs> hey, whoa, wait, wait. Hold on a second. Oroboro Snake says Wonder Woman was selling quite well before Clunan and Conrad, writers I like. Okay. Quite well for a Wonder Woman book or quite well for what, you know, tr- a Trinity book is expected to sell? Because a, 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 clearly right now, a Superman, Superman is capable of holding down two titles, which is generally, I feel yeah. like, been the case. I'm yeah. not, like, I'm not the most familiar, but I feel like it's he generally had two titles, and that's been fine. Whereas Wonder Woman has sort of struggled to even keep one title going at times. Um, and so that's a concern for me. You know, if, if you're struggling to keep the one going or the one is doing all right, but they can't launch another off the back of that, then maybe, you know, lift her up. She's a big three member. What are we talking about? Harley Quinn does better numbers. I've ranted about that countless times on this podcast. Yeah. Harley Quinn has like two series that she's in, three series that she's in. Can't get enough of. Well, honestly, make Harley the, tri- the their Trinity member. That's there my you call. go. They, she the is. Answer. She is. Not in branding, but I'm sure that the way DC thinks about um, their publishing line, she is. Her yep. DC, her DC movie appearances too, generally better. Yep. Yeah. There you go. So. We're going to leave it there. Uh, let us know your thoughts about Wonder Woman's new daughter, new child. Um, 20 years in the future, maybe we'll be sitting here talking about her, or we'll be sitting here talking about Wonder Woman's next daughter. We won't be sitting here at all. We'll be, like, we'll be looking for uh, uh, canned goods somewhere. I expect what are you a, talking a, about? I, I expect the apocalypse. Oh, years, oh well, I, I mean, I'm anticipating getting rich before that. So. Oh, well, you have a much brighter outlook in life than I do. <laughs> well, I do. And that's because of our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash the comics pals is the <laughs> best way to support us. Um, and uh, we really appreciate everybody who makes the decision to do that. King Thank you all so much. It helps us out a lot. Um, we've got exclusive content over there. You can vote in the book club poll, um, which we really appreciate those of you that do that. Um, we've got an exclusive show over there called Palling Around. You get a nickname and a shout out here on the show, which you heard 
A lot of cool stuff. Really, it enables us to be able to do what we do here and do it better. Um, you know, at New York Comic Con this year, we're going to have such a better setup. Um, and it's largely because of what we've been able to buy um, based on you all and your support. It's really, really helped. And I love the fact that we get to show off how it has helped at events like New York Comic Con. Or by being able to get together and 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 make content because of the fact that we now have certain equipment that we didn't have before. And it's only going to get better and better. So thank you guys so much for that. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to watch this live, our normal hours are Saturdays at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern for this show. And then Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern for Palace Pulls. That's our comics review show. Please do come and hang out with us for that. If you want to influence that show, you can do that by going to Twitter right now. The Twitter poll is live. Tyler, could you do me a favor, bud, and pull that up and see where we're at? I what's can, winning? Actually, I can't. Yeah. I got to say, next week, packed. Packed. Yes. Week. Yeah, it yeah. is a bonkers week once I saw what you had on there. I'm like, oh, that was relegated to the listener poll? Yeah, uh, I was right? very surprised. I was uh, logged into my account here. One second. Yeah, so I know on the listener poll this coming week, uh, so We've the got, options are yeah. Brave and the Bold, number one, Cyborg, number one, Gardens of the Galaxy, number two, and Seasons Have Teeth, number two. Um, right now, Brave and the Bold is winning. That's a Tom King, Mitch Jarrett's issue, right? There's uh, there's a few creators. Ed Brisson is involved. Um, there's a few people involved. That Gamora Guardians of the Galaxy 2 cover by uh, Marco Cicchetto. Ooh. God damn. Oh, my God. I cannot stuff. wait to buy that. That I'm needs to so be a snap card. Dude, this week is so packed. Like, any, any other week, yeah. I, I want to talk about all those books. I, I assume we're talking Avengers, and I assume we're talking... Um, there's another big DC one. Yeah, Titans. so we're doing Avengers, we're doing Titans, and we're doing Titan. Vigil. Yeah. Yeah, so. What was the third, um, the third one, John? The Vigil. Oh, Vigil, yep, that's what I assume. Yep, yeah. cool. So if you want to influence that, if you don't like the fact that Batman Brave and the Bold is winning, or if you do and you want to make sure it wins, head on over to our Twitter page, twitter.com slash comicspouse, and uh, cast your vote. That's I so mean, funny. Cyborg, it, it, hot, on its, on, hot on its tail there, too, so. Wait, re refresh it? Because I'm seeing a different number. Are you? Oh. Maybe you uh, maybe you in the moment people are people are voting. Oh, and whoops, everything. yeah, Cyborg just tied for Brave and the Bold. All right. Wow. Well, I guess Marco nice. voted. <laughs> okay. Well, I voted for the Seasons Have Teeth because I yeah, really love that right. book. Yeah. So. I don't need another Batman book in my life. I know what that's about. Brave and the Bold. Um. Everything else at the Comics Pals, join our Discord. There's a link to it in the description. We love when you guys join and come and, you know, partake in these conversations. We are active on there, so you will get to speak with us directly if that's your cup of tea. But fuck us. Our community is phenomenal. Yes, please. Oh. Um, <laughs> Tyler. Uh, our community is phenomenal, and I think you will enjoy being a part of it. So really appreciate you. Uh, Comic Boom, love you. And you guys should check out Comic Boom's channel as well. Um, great stuff over there. Plugs, Kale, you're up. Thank you so much for listening to episode 343 of the Comics Pals. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Toe. That's T O T O I and T O W. You can find my work at Kaleward.com, C A L E W A R D.com. Um, it's Eurovision up in oh. here in Liverpool. And uh, so far, my favorite entry is Austria who's doing a song where the chorus is about Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, throw another shrimp on the Barbie, huh? If fucking, no. The other one, Austria. Okay. You know where Hitler's from. 
Yeah. Jesus Christ, Sean. <laughs> He's not wrong. We're all thinking nothing, it. Sean was there's like, nothing no wrong with there. that Jeez. fact. Right. <laughs> Renowned artist. Uh, but it's also, this song is also, uh, it's a pop sensation about Edgar Allan Poe that is also about uh, the music royalty situation from Spotify. Uh, oh. It's really, really cool. It's multi-layered. Um, I highly recommend it. Yeah, Eurovision rules. Is the, is, uh, no, I, I was about to ask a really dumb question. I was about to ask if, if the U.S. is in Eurovision. <laughs> I think I genuinely think they're trying to be. Uh, I, yeah. I would. I would want to be a part of that. You know, all well, we got is we'll like American probably, Idol here, which is just bullshit. Now we'll probably get it because of how much uh, America hates Palestine. So, uh, okay, that wow. Uh, Arubaro Snake says, y'all should interview Mo, the writer of Cyborg. We'd love to. Yeah. Love yeah. to. Absolutely. Morgan, Morgan Hampton. I right? want to, I want to call Mo and just, uh, ask him if, uh, Amanda Huggenkiss is there. That's a Simpsons Don't get joke. it. Simpsons. So Marco. You can follow me at Mr. Marco Enomoto on Instagram and Twitter. I've been doing a Swamp Thing reread for a newsletter that, uh, I have and, uh, it's been a lot of fun. So, yeah, I'm going to be calling out some cool arcs. Stay tuned for that. Uh, otherwise, I've been reading romance novels, and they're excellent. Uh, I'm reading uh, a, a a king for a duke. No, a lady for a duke, and it's been a lot of fun. Do you consider yourself a duke? Uh, not necessarily. Okay. I don't so like what you said yourself. Yeah, I feel like I'm. Uh, I'm not at the Duke status necessarily. Probably a knight along the way. You know, I could. Of I could. I could would. see myself yeah. there. Of course. No. All right, Marco. Well, I wish what? you luck in finding your fair lady. Thank you. We're your king. Yeah. Monarch. You know, gender. I don't want to, I mean, you know. Or, or like your warlock or whatever, if that's... Uh, succubus. If that's so like, we know Marco. He's looking for a succubus. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, come yeah. On. I'm the this, incubus. This is devolving rapidly. Tyler. Uh, you can follow me at the Tyler Olson on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I just put out a newsletter on our Patreon. Subscribe to that. Um, where I showed my process of how I do these streams. So, um, yeah. There's a lot of monitors involved. Uh, it's very uh, 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 Matrix. What's that guy from the Matrix? The monitor? Oh, the 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 architect, the colonel, architect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't. I've only seen the first Matrix and the most recent Matrix, so I have some. What? Uh, I've only bookended my Matrix knowledge. Um, I wore out my DVD on the first Matrix. I've watched the first Matrix a lot. Um, but yeah. Uh, and uh, talk to me about Tears of the Kingdom. That's what I've been playing. I played that yesterday. Fun stuff. Good, good Zelda in. Nice. A lot of so bad even even though the shrines in in tears of the kingdom look a lot like goatsy but you know i don't even know what that means you guys google it, don't, yeah, don't, google, don't google it, it. Don't google, google it. it google it yeah I'll, I'll send it to you don't don't google it all right well i guess i won't google it um thank you guys for listening i am uh, uh twitter and instagram only at sean soapbox look at this snazzy green lantern ring i got uh from midtown comics thank you to midtown for giving me this with my purchase of green lantern number one very much appreciated um i'm not gonna wear it so maybe i'll give it away maybe we'll do a giveaway for that if someone wants it um yeah Kales, you, keep that? you you want it no i have a ton yeah you said that 
I don't yeah. know if I'm going to keep it. I like it, but I don't know. It's a they don't give those out often. Like I'm sure there are a ton of them, but like they I'm just very concerned. again for the green. I'm very surprised that you want to give that away. I like you know if someone likes it more than I do, then I would like them to have it. Um, I don't know. I like to I like yeah. to uh, hook people up if I can. Um. Yeah, so thank you all so much for listening. Oh, shit. Nerdette, hey, how you doing? Um, love your show. You guys should check out Nerdette's newsstand. Uh, glad you glad you showed up. Nerdette's news, news, news newsstand. Newsstand. Yes. Newton. I, I just I, it sounded I, weird. I, oh my god. It, I just like it was it was an oh affectation the way god. you said it. I swear. I just I can't get away with anything on this show. Like I Nerdette's See you next week. Newsstand. <laughs> thank it, you I'm very much. Thank you all for listening. Appreciate you. We will see you next week. Until then, take care, guys. Bye-bye.